365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. In the Michigan Territory, Stroud winds up, throws a deep ball side. Sixty-five Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Quarterback keeper, rising with a seam. He's into the red zone. He's inside the 10. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Well, take out his doing yourself, kid, and picks up the first down. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Delora, deep down the middle, got his man. Cowing, touchdown, Arizona. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. 39-yarder, blocked. Picked up the Cowboys' Corey Black. Hit by the turf monster, but can't be stopped. Another special teams touchdown for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome in. Smokey is at a big sales meeting today, so he is not in with us. But Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke here with you. Wednesday we'll have the full three of us. I had jury duty yesterday, Craig, and... I did not get picked because I knew the defendant. Paul had jury duty. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, you. It's a very big major case here in Waco. It's it's probably one of the biggest we've we've had. Uh, I I have known the defendant um, for like quite a while. So, but I did have to stay there all day, and uh, we'll get into college football and realignment and all that here in a second. But I will tell you, Craig, if you would like to just find a place where you can find some really dumb people that say dumb things in a desperate attempt to get out of their civic duty. And I know nobody really wants jury duty, but no. you know, the, you know, the fickle finger of fate kind of points to everybody at some point. Um, but uh, go to jury, like get jury duty and just sit back, bring some popcorn and wait for them to answer a direct question in the stupidest way possible. Like who the people being asked to be jurors? Yeah, or, okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I figure. I mean, it's a good people watching place. I've only had to do it really one time, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. People watching. Uh, this is an era before you really had, I guess, like everything you could try to entertain yourself with. Like I couldn't watch a movie on my phone when I had jury duty the last <laughs> time. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't listen to like hours of podcasts or music, so it was really just sitting there and waiting for it to go by quickly, which it never typically does. So yeah, you were there a long time. Yeah. The whole, the whole day practically. And I would have, uh, I think I would have ended up in jail because I would have lost my mind if I had been there that long. Yeah. I, I am not uh, somebody who likes to just sit in one place like that, uh, cooped up. So, uh, that would have been hard for but me. Here's what I found out, Craig. If you talk, you walk. So everybody who 
and this is what happened is the defense, one of the defense attorneys said that. And so then people took this as this is my opportunity to get out. So I'm just going to say the dumbest and most ridiculous things. Like, how do you feel about motorcycle gangs? Oh, I'll never ride a motorcycle. Well, that's not the question he asked. Right. <laughs> but your point is made. You're too dumb to do this. You know, move on. But yet we had to stay the whole day. So I was not there. And I was at like a whole day behind on everything. But... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I know what case you're referring to. I think I saw that on the front page of the uh, the uh, local TV website or something mm-hmm. like that. Don't know much about the details and all of that, but it does seem like a pretty big deal. So, I mean, that would have been kind of wild. Uh, you know, when I was on vacation, all that realignment stuff happened, uh, which I was kind of fine with because mostly it was just speculation just mm-hmm. at a fever pitch that entire week. And I was back for, you know, the full meal deal really. But um, that would have – been unfortunate for you to wait all this time for football season and then we get here and then you're in like a months long trial where you're not even allowed to talk yeah. about any of it so yeah glad you lucked out there yeah the the judge said so well you know we expected to go the rest of the week and then like the attorney stopped him and go well could be next week too so yeah. <laughs> who knows right? <laughs> who knows but yeah so you might not have seen me for a while but no it was uh, i'm glad to i'm glad to not be there i'm glad to be here uh talking to you guys uh today now today craig and the realignment buzz circles was was a big day in that this was the day that everybody who was convinced that Florida State was leaving the ACC right away has to notify the ACC. Uh, they have to also call a board meeting 24 hours before they make that decision, which they have not done, which means they are not leaving the ACC this year. It doesn't mean that they're not leaving the ACC eventually, but it did seem, and while I do believe that they pretty much stated their case that they want to leave, it did seem a, a rather large legal mountain to climb in a very short amount of time to just say, we're leaving, we don't care about all the money, let's do it. Yeah, this is always a little bit far-fetched in just the kind of time frame we were talking. You know, it started to feel like the expectations were for something to happen pretty immediately, and I think for everybody kind of unboxing the story, there was always one lingering question of like, okay, but what about the money? Like, what about that price tag and, you know, paying that? And so, of course, there was, you know, the private equity that was fund that was mentioned a couple of weeks back as being a possibility that apparently Florida State has dug into and, you know, checked all and weighed all their options. Um, and so I feel like, yeah, they've done their due diligence. I just think that what they've probably found at this point based on where we are and there was this, you know, big quote-unquote deadline day today and all that is that, They've done their due diligence, and their due diligence has returned the, the information, and that information is that, hey, it's a little bit harder than uh, than just, you know, paying a big bounty fee, basically, or not a bounty, but, you know, paying a big fee and, and walking out the door, and, you know, there's, there's a little bit more to it. It's a little bit more complex than that, and, oh, yeah, that fee, by the way, is exorbitant. Like, it's not just a... A booster writing a ten million dollar check. It's it's far more. It's twelve boosters it's like, doing that. It's yeah. like yeah, it's it's crazy money. And so, you know, I understand that Florida State boosters have money. I understand their desire to want to go play in the SEC or play in the Big Ten. I understand all of their motivations. I understand former quarterback Drew Weatherford being a big ringleader here, and I was reading his comments a few days ago, and I get all of it, but, you know, as far as actually laying out the the course or the path for them to do so, uh, it's filled with a few roadblocks that that need to be uh, encountered and uh, challenged or dismantled in front of them before they're able to to find that finish line in the uh, 
SEC or in the Big Ten eventually. So I still think that that's where they're headed. I think that that's what they're going to be climbing over rocks and, you know, going down treacherous trails trying to find every, you know, little shortcut that they can to cut off as much time as they can to get there as quickly as they can. Um, but am I surprised that today there's, like, not an announcement of, like, they're, you know, this it's happening. No, I'm not at all because I feel like this is definitely going to take more time to play out. Paxton, to answer your, your direct question to me on the chat, uh, no, I did not expect anything to happen today because of this. Because I, I think, and I've said this from the beginning, that this is phase one of the plan. Phase one is very loud disruption. You know, scream as loud as possible that you are unhappy with the situation. Phase two is figure out how you can turn that noise into movement. And phase three is to move. But... I also don't think one of the other reasons they you can't leave until you have a place to go. And yeah. I don't think that this is like Texas and Oklahoma that had, you know, clearly some stretch of time of, of a couple of months of behind the scenes deal making with the SEC or USC and UCLA. Um, this is the first part of it where they are publicly voicing their displeasure. And I think part of the reason they're doing it so loudly is they would like all interested parties to know that they are ready to go as soon as you call. But I don't think think anybody has called yet, which is why they can't do it in secret. Because you can do it in secret, like Texas and Oklahoma, if somebody returns your call. So I don't think that that's happened for Florida State and Clemson yet because I do think their situation is a little bit different than Texas and Oklahoma and USC and UCLA. I think that those brands are all, well, especially USC, Texas, Clemson, FSU, like those brands are all kind of on par with each other football-wise to varying degrees of where you want to go on the blue blood ladder. But they're all kind of on par with each other when it comes to recognition differences obviously some people are bigger than others but they're all in that same kind of group yeah I but, mean, but um that doesn't mean that florida state and clemson can just do what texas and oklahoma did and call up the sec and be like you guys wanna and they're like you know what yeah yeah i mean and the major difference is is that oklahoma and texas um you know didn't have 13 years remaining on their grant of rights yeah, yeah. um usc and ucla were Free to walk, you know, like the the timing of it lined up correctly. I think that's why, you know, when the Pac-12 stuff was really reaching a fever pitch and you were looking at, okay, like once this happens, then it's probably going to die down, right? Like it finally has to die down. And then, of course, there was the Florida State comments and, you know, all of that's now, you know, really kind of taken the place. Although the Pac story still, we like, you know, we need to touch on that daily because that's still evolving. Like that's still not by any means a, a, a shut deal just yet. But I think, uh, you know, there was suddenly maybe an expectation for it to all keep happening quickly. Like, we're going to fast forward through all of this. But I, I think, I mean, I'm on record, and I couldn't point out where we said this, but we definitely in our conversation said that, like, you know, yeah, the the timing doesn't line up for right now, per se, for all of that extra movement. But everybody getting their ducks in a row for a few years from now, then, like, all the contracts come up again around the same time. Now, granted, the ACC will still be under contract for several more years, but at that point, that seems like it would be more feasible. Now, could it happen before then? Of course, because, you know, nobody really – even if you predicted 
Super League, even if you predicted, you know, Oklahoma and Texas are going to move one day, even if you predicted those things, nobody's been 100% on all this. Nobody predicted all that, plus everything else that's already happened as well. No one predicted the Big 12 would gobble up the pack. You know, like, so there, there's there's definitely some unforeseen things that could occur, but I do think this is going to need some more time to play out because it just doesn't align financially or time-wise, uh, rights-wise, all of that, the same way the others did. You know, um, Oklahoma and Texas had just a little bit amount of time remaining to buy out, which they eventually negotiated with the Big 12 and were able to get out of. But would, would they have been able to do that if it was 13 years remaining on that deal? No, uh, no I think it would have been a little bit more complicated. So, yeah, this is a more complex issue. But I don't think, you know, the chirping will die down. Florida State's clearly said what they said. They made their intentions known. Everybody knows what their intentions are. Everybody knows what Clemson's intentions are. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what the appetite is because, you know, the Big Ten's got a lot of unloading to do now from the other side of the country that uh, is, is kind of more of a priority at the moment. You know, the conference that said, well, we're not – we don't have any plans, and all of a sudden they've got Oregon and Washington coming on board. Mm-hmm. Um, the SEC has said they don't have any plans, but you know what, them? I think that certainly they have their own motivations, but I kind of believe them when they say that they're sort of just staying pat right now because I think the more prudent move for them is to not be necessarily the disruptor. I think the best move for them in the long run is to let this other situation play itself out like the Big Ten did with the pack. let others do the damage for you, and then when the moment's right, swoop in. But for right now, they've got – a geographic conference that makes perfect sense will be glad to welcome Oklahoma and Texas on board and can do that all safely and securely without too much other distraction and then when the time strikes yeah go grab Clemson and Florida State or whatever at a, you know in a more reasonable price but right now there's just yeah it's a lot of money left on the table uh, that that's you know got to be accounted for and a lot of years on that deal and uh, it just felt like it was trying to force something quickly. Now, look, maybe they have a rabbit up their hat, but it doesn't appear so, and certainly not today. There's no big news to report on any seismic movement. Yeah, look, it's not going to surprise me if and when they leave. No. It would just surprise me if it was today. Yeah, Even, yeah. like, that would have been... Very quickly. That would have, like, whoever legally figured that out would have been set for life because every time somebody said, hey, I've got a big 12-year contract I need to get out of, they'd be like, oh... You know, call this the super lawyer. He's figured it out how to break these things. Uh, on this note, in the ACC, uh, we had David uh, Teal on the show uh, last week, and he hosts a podcast for Richmond.com uh, with Mike Barber, who we've also had on the show, uh, called Teal and Barber. They had ESPN.com's David Hale on the show, and he is probably... Um, the most frustrated person in the world when it comes to ACC rumors. Yes. <laughs> for, yeah. He's that for sure. He's yes. also one of the better ACC reporters yeah. and is dialed in. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes here from that podcast uh, that I, I want to play for you guys so you can kind of get the explanation on what's going on in the ACC, not just from FSU's perspective, but from other coaches and administrators that David Hale has spoken with. Here is that segment from Teal and uh, Barber. Uh, that was, I believe, either yesterday or today. What would it take to appease Florida State other than giving them all the money? And B, what leverage do the Seminoles have? Uh, I think there is some dollar figure that would probably appease them uh, to an extent. But I'm I, I remain a little dubious that this is entirely about dollars and cents for these schools. Um, and look, it, we, we're going to talk about Florida State because Florida State has been out on their front porch yelling, get off my lawn, basically. Like they are they are the vocal 
team. But there are other teams within this league that are essentially internally having the exact same conversations as Florida State. And as I've talked to them, I mean, they view the financial disparity between themselves and the SEC and Big Ten as an existential threat to their long-term success. And so making 30 to $40 million per year less is the crux of the problem. So is there a way that you could bridge that gap enough to make it worth their while to just stay put and stay quiet? Probably. I mean, there's probably a number that makes that work just because the difficulty of extricating yourself from the grant of rights is uh, that level of difficulty is so high that at a certain point you say like, well, this is, uh, you know, the calculus says that we should just stick around. But I think there's more to it than money. And I think one of the things that I've had coaches tell me, and I don't mean just coaches at Clemson and Florida State, I mean coaches around the league that have said, look, I'm dealing with stuff on the recruiting trail. Well, I've got players saying you guys are the JV league because you're not making as much money. The SEC and the Big Ten, they get the money. Therefore, they are the better leagues. They are essentially the NFL of college football. Um, I've also had many of the same coaches say, like, really? The Big Ten? Have you seen them play? Uh, But I certainly think most people get the SEC argument. Um, And so there is a a level of of cachet, of image, of just understanding the direction that that the sport is going, uh, of of being able to – be part of a league that has enough sway with the TV networks to ensure that your games are on in prime viewing windows on prime viewing channels and not, you know, relegated to ESPN three or Peacock. Uh, All of those things play a part in this conversation too. So yeah, at the end of the day, if Florida state could somehow get, get $25 million more per year from the ACC than they're getting right now, that's probably enough to quiet down this conversation for at least the foreseeable future. But even then, I think there is still going to be stuff that is is pushing the conversation back towards this. And that's one of the concerns that I have gotten from uh, other uh, ADs and presidents and administrators around the league. So you ask, what's their leverage? Their leverage is, if you don't give us this, we will leave. And yes, leaving is not going to be easy for them, and it will be expensive, But if they do it, it is problematic for the ACC, and you don't need to look any further than what's happened to the Pac-12 to see that uh, losing your big brands can have a a dramatic cascading effect. But the flip side of that is I have heard from a lot of these administrators who say the same thing, and particularly after the Board of Trustees meeting, which is why do we need to appease them if they're going to leave anyway? And so when Florida State frames the problem as a – we're doing this because you can't fix this problem. There becomes no incentive to try to fix the problem. So I, I, I think you know what they did at spring meetings worked, but I also think you're you're towing a very thin line there in which you give away the leverage that you have by making it a little too obvious that you have zero interest in staying no matter what. That is the best I've heard it described. In that, yeah, look, why would they? I mean, why are they going to try to give Florida State more money if Florida State's kind of told them that? They don't think they can, one, do it in the first place, and two, that they even really want to stay. But they really want to leave. So in my head, yeah. I'm going to imagine this scenario where they just, like, open the door for me and let me leave scot-free. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen some of that, like, people trying to talk themselves into why that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. So, yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, the only reason it's really a story to begin with is obviously all the stuff that's been going on, but 
Um, more so just the fact that they decided to speak up and be the most vocal party of the parties that are looking uh, outside, um, you know, through the window to the sunshine and the other side of the fence, and it looks so much better and richer and lush and all of that. And, hey, I get it. I think that's a lot of programs in the country right now, ACC or otherwise. But, yeah, it just doesn't really line up. So that deadline today was, you know, apparently if they wanted to play next year in a different conference, and so – no surprise, I don't think, to anybody really that that deadline is uh, is not going to, to come into play because, man, that would be an amazing sequence of events to find yourself like all of a sudden playing in the last year of the ACC just like that. So, yeah, this is going to take a little bit more time. I'd imagine we'll hear more cage rattling, more barking uh, from various folks involved. And you know what? Probably an early exit at some point. How soon, though, uh, is the, the big question that will still need to, to be figured out. But I'd imagine they're going to take these – what take on football season where they've got a really highly ranked and good team with you know a bunch of preseason um, you know attention uh, not only on the team itself but on individual players. I mean they're about as healthy as they've been in what several several years at this point. And so yeah, look, you'll enjoy football season and all the while in your free time you'll be planning your exit strategy and how quickly you can get there. But for right now they are still an ACC team and will remain that way for the foreseeable future. Yeah, look, this is the best team they've had since Jimbo Fisher left. Uh, in 2016, they won 10 games. So that, and then they won 20, 10 games last year. So they had, you know, six really bad years uh, in the middle of that. And they, you know, a decade away from their, uh, or past their last national championship. Two super chats from Chris. The first one, if ACC fails, would you want Pitt in the Big 12? Uh, I mean, if they're going to go to gigantic super leagues, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I think they'd fit in. You know, culturally, I think that they would make sense. I think they'd be a natural fit for the Big Twelve. You know, then you got Cincinnati, West Virginia. You, you start to kind of complete that part of the the map, uh, and you know, it would make sense in a lot of ways: geography, history. Uh, just, I think, similarities uh, overall that, you know, if you're looking around, like, who would they best fit with? Probably the Big 12, right? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's possible. But I think, like, with so many of these fantasy scenarios, like, there's so many things that would have to happen. Like, mm-hmm. the, the first of all, what we just talked about, which isn't happening right now, would need to happen, along with, like, several other teams doing the same thing and all finding their way out at the same time. Because it's not just Florida State. Like, Florida State matters, and it would register. But, like, the seismic move is them and others, and then the dismantling and all. Like, so there's a if, lot that would have to happen. If it's just Florida State and Clemson, yeah, then the league can withstand They're that. fine, yeah. They, they're enough they're teams. making less money eventually. Well, yeah. the problem is, is that if seven or eight teams all decide to go and break their grant of rights, that means that five or six, seven more would have to know they have a place to go to do that, which I think that's the biggest thing keeping them together right now is, you know, for example, if Pitt decided to jump in this conversation, they don't have a guaranteed spot. You know? No, the Big 12 is not going to go knock down the door to to add them necessarily. They're not going to, you know, go start beef with the ACC. Like, the PAC thing was very clear, and Brett Yormark, you know, I, I'm sure y'all saw that clip of him from Marshan and Alaran. It was very good stuff. We're going to play it at 345. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, so. It was good stuff from Yormark. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the shot that he took at, uh, at other commissioners as well, which was, you know, the way he delivered it, I thought was, was on point, but... Um, yeah, I mean, Pitt would Pitt in the Big Twelve would make a lot of sense. I think if you're looking down the road at possibilities, that makes a lot of sense. But again, just the things that would need to occur for that to happen, you're talking like apocalypse level stuff. Yeah. Because 
look, the two L.A. schools, they left, and it was just them. Oregon and Washington, a year later, it's just those two. And there was exceptions made and, you know, bargains and things like that to make it happen because of just the timing was was right. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas by themselves. The pack schools, yeah, four at a time, but Colorado was by itself. They were coming regardless. Then, you know, it was kind of one by one. The others sort of just reluctantly sort of came on board. So you're talking about like eight schools or whatever, all collectively, time-wise, all being on the same page, all like being secretive enough about it to get it. Like that. that's just, that's a lot. That's asking a lot. But yeah, Pitt would definitely be on the Big 12's radar, I would imagine. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, and also from Chris, thanks for both of your super yeah, chats, Chris. You, Chris. Guys, Disney has lost over a billion dollars in recent year. Have laid off many workers. So you think the Saudis might buy ESPN to save Disney money? I don't think the Saudis give a crap about helping Disney out. They care about advancing their own opportunity. Look, part of the reason Disney's lost money that nobody talked like Disney. Where I talked to my friend of mine today in Florida, and he said, you know, last weekend they had to clear out Disney in the hottest day on record in human history because it was so packed of people. Disney's lost money because they overextended themselves on streaming. And uh, when it comes to their parks, they opened a Star Wars hotel that costs $5,000 a person a night or the experience and nobody's shuddering now. Yeah, it's gone. So they have to imagine why they have to eat that because even like if we were billionaires, Craig, if we everybody in this room, all of us were billionaires and decided to do that, and we did it once. Why are we going back to do it again? Like, it's yeah. not going to change. And yeah, I think to his question, though, like, is, too there, much, yeah. is there an opportunity there, though? If yeah, Saudi, I, mean, yeah look, I think I there's probably an opportunity that, you know, for some of the, like, uh, you know, are they going to piecemeal it off? Like, hey, you can have Star Wars. We'll sell that to you. Or here's Marvel. Like, I think yeah. that that's a possibility, uh, certainly. Um, but... Yeah, would they swoop in? I mean, potentially, but I don't know how much of an effect it would have on on um, no, I mean, college football think, or or things like that. Or would it even be ESPN? But yeah, I mean, that's I certainly understand why you're you're wondering about that because you know they're they're kind of lurking, you know, those types of entities and picking up little things here and there. So given the instability of everything and how volatile a lot of these properties are because of just how volatile the whole industry is, like yeah, you could see some. Some folks like that well, come in and scoop up some it, stuff. It's also a publicly traded company, so it would be – I mean, they they could buy up as many shares as were available yeah. anyway. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's uh, – yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I Like, I just don't think that it was I, – I, I think that's a little far off for them. I'm not putting it past them because then that's – What, what that's, was it? That, to buy Disney? Is that To what buy the, ESPN. To buy ESPN. Yeah, I don't uh, – that specifically – I don't – I mean – I don't know. I feel like you'd be kind of turning away the audience that you have left at that yeah. point. I, I do feel like the, the remaining ESPN audience, you're probably turning away a lot of people there. I, I don't know, though. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that are gobbled up every day, you know, entertainment-wise that are owned, you know, similarly that we don't even realize and we we digest it. Well, but there, There's a lot, like, you can probably find a movie that you love. Oh, yeah, like, and, finance and, at and least. And financed yeah. by some dirty money somewhere. Because somebody had to wash their money in something and be like, oh, well. well it could I be was dirty American uh, money, yeah, too. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, That's what I'm saying. It's be dirty. Don't put like, it past our own. No, no, no. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many, I'm just going to throw this this name out. It's probably not even, couldn't be true, but how many people maybe washed a million dollars by getting Godfather 3 produced? Oh, right? for you know, sure. Like, okay, well, we got to wash a million dollars. Let's give it to this. And then, and then there you go. We have Godfather 3. That's, yeah. That's kind of. 
I, don't, I just don't worry about ESPN, though, right now yeah. in, in that sense. But, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on, just I think properties in general. So, yeah, yeah. appreciate I, that, Chris. I think Disney's going to figure a way out of this and be all right eventually. I think they'll, they, they're will they big enough to where, you know, they'll figure a way. I would think before the Saudis, Apple would buy it, and they would sell it to Apple. That would be my, my guess. When we come back, Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times will talk, um, you know, just his view on all this and how it changes things, plus what he thinks about him. He covers all the, the schools in Florida. What do you think about UCF uh, as they head into uh, the Big 12? And Graham Mertz, the starter at Florida, does that – Good news, bad news, or indifferent news right now. That's coming up. This is 365 Sports. During the Make This the Summer event, say big on a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months. And an extra $1,000 rebate. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP. That's right, and no payments for 90 days on all offers. Find the Jeep that fits you at Allen Samuels in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. PC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new 
products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quickcrete, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Five Sports. The three o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. Four twenty-five Lake Air Drive, Waco. I misspoke at the end of that last segment. Matt Baker will be next, but first we are joined by Texas Tech Athletic Director Kirby Hokut here on 365 Sports. And Kirby, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this is uh, obviously the craziest time ever in college sports, uh, the way that everything shifted in the last couple of weeks and the Big 12 has gotten bigger. What is it like from your perspective to be sitting on the other side of it two years later than where you were a couple of years ago where you woke up in the morning and went, I don't know what tomorrow is going to be? <laughs> well, good afternoon. Appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to be on with you today. And it's definitely changing times in college athletics, uh, unlike anything that we've we've experienced in the summer months lately seem to bring conference realignment so i guess we're, we're getting used to that every every summer but yeah big things have transpired and happened within the big 12 different position than where we we were a couple of years ago and you know there's a lot of a lot of credit to that to you know bob bowlsby who was able to reach out and engage with Central Florida and Houston and BYU and Cincinnati. And then, you know, for the past year, ever since Brett Yormark has been in charge and in the commissioner's seat, it's been full tilt, right? I mean, you just got to love the perspective, the uh, offense that he has brought to the vision, to the execution for the Big 12 Conference, and couldn't be more proud of where we sit today and excited about the future. Well, speaking of that future, I mean, obviously the the four schools that we now know will be making their way over from the Pac-12. We've been uh, fortunate to talk to a couple of other athletic directors, uh, Mac Rhodes, of course, Jamie Pollard as well, and, you know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, you, you celebrate the fact that the Big 12 is welcoming in these great institutions, but you also feel for your brethren, I'm sure, as well, but just kind of how did did you absorb that news and, and what are your thoughts on the big 12 expanding with those four additions from uh, out West? Well, I'm, I'm excited about the four additions that are, are joining us. You know, you think about the, the media value and, and at the end of the day, that's what is driving all of these decisions. And you can, can go back to, you know, however far we want to in conference realignment, and you look at the, the value that has been 
brought forward with the, the new markets that we have. You think about the addition of Utah with the, the BYU-Utah rivalry. You think about Arizona, Arizona State. So I, I'm excited about what, um, you know, the four Pac-12 schools are bringing to us. And, you know, at the same time, it, it's, it's bittersweet to all of us who have been passionate our whole lives and careers about college sports because things are changing. And, you know, I've come to accept that, that things are not going to be the way that they once were. But that's okay because I believe that college sports and the, you know, the young people that are playing are more talented than ever. The coaching is better than ever. The interest uh, is stronger than ever. So we've got to continue to adapt to these changing circumstances and uh, believe leaders like Brett Yormark are the right type of people that will help us continue to shape and mold what college athletics is going to be like in the future. You know, at one point in time, you guys were the furthest Western school, and now there's going to be five <laughs> schools that are further west than you guys. Now, I know everything's West Texas, as they say, right? But uh, just <laughs> geographically, like, what is that What is that kind of difference uh, for you guys and having, you know, the Arizona schools in, in somewhat close proximity, if you will, or just having that kind of Western side to, to Lubbock now? Well, it's a good question. I, you know, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought, but, um, you know, I, I believe that as we talk about other sports, right, fo- football and basketball is going to be just fine. It, it's the other sports that, you know, don't always go charter travel that will travel uh, midweek that you want to, you know, have some proximity and the regional proximity is not what it used to be in, in college athletics. And again, that's part of the changing landscape. But the fact that, you know, um, we're not the westernmost school any longer, I, I think is is great, right? It gives us more regional competition, more regional rivalries that will build over the years. And, you know, actually it's, it's a full circle back to the border conference days. If you go way back, mm. um, you know, Arizona was in the border conference with – uh, Texas Tech, and honestly, I'm not sure who else, but I have seen that history. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to welcome those schools that are even further west than we are. Kirby, I've asked a lot of ADs and presidents that we've had on the show here in the last couple of weeks this question, and I'm curious your view on it. What do you see as the future for college athletics in the realignment shuffle? And when is it time for everybody to get together and say, hey, can we all move together with a unified plan as opposed to um, all kind of, you know, having to dance around what everybody's doing individually. Yeah, I'm not sure we have enough time to, to talk about <laughs> what the future of, of intercollegiate athletics is, right? I think if anybody could paint that picture for you, they would be kidding themselves. Um, so, you know, things continue to change. And as I tell our, our coaches and our department every day, we've just got to continue to maneuver the landscape that's in front of us we've got to continue to invest and make sure that we're nimble to to be able to adapt in how we make decisions and how we invest the resources that that we have and i think we all would look forward to the the day when there's a unified plan but is that in our future it sure doesn't seem like it right it, it doesn't seem like it when you know you still have all of this conference um, realignment taking place it, it doesn't feel good and you know in in the traditional sense 
uh, of things. But like we said earlier, things are changing and they're not going to be the way that they once were. So we've got to be proactive. We've got to continue to create inventory. We've got to continue to think differently outside the box, continue to build the intellectual property that is the Big 12 Conference and uh, to build those events and experiences that our fans are going to be excited about and the media companies are going to want to uh, acquire and invest in. Kirby, your uh, alumni and boosters have kind of stepped up in this new era in a way uh, rapidly and maybe more organized than a lot of places. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of places that are trying to, to call them and go, how did you do this in Lubbock so we can do it here uh, the way that you did it? Uh, how were they able to do that? And was that uh, them being ahead of the curve knowing that the rules were changing? Because you guys seem to have the, the kind of, I don't know if anybody has it completely down because it's ever-changing, but the NIL structure down for tech better than a lot of places do. Well, I, I appreciate that question. And again, I think it comes down to, you know, positioning to be proactive, to, to be aggressive, to be able to be nimble and to, to change. And we at Texas Tech, we're very fortunate. Um, as, as y'all have seen over the years, we've got a very passionate, a very large fan and alumni base. You know, people across the country don't realize that Texas Tech is a university with over 40,000 students and you know our, our alumni base is very passionate people don't recognize fully that you know we're less than two hours away from the permian basin which is producing more oil than anywhere else in our in our great country so you know that's west texas that's red raider country and we're very fortunate i, I told somebody the other day i'm probably one of very few athletic directors in the country that's okay with paying $5 for a, a gallon of, of gas uh, because that, that turns around and helps Texas Tech and, and our alumni and supporters uh, in in the Permian Basin, Midland and Odessa. But, um, you know, it's uh, we've had great leadership. Uh, we've had a, a group of donors that have come together and, um, you know, built the, the Matador Club, which is the name, image, likeness, collective uh, that is engaged with our student athletes for the community service that they perform here in, in our community. So, you know, former player, uh, Cody Campbell was the, I call the quarterback of, of that initiative and has been very careful in taking the right steps to, to build that to make sure it's compliant with the state of Texas law and also the interim NCA policy. So we've had, uh, great individuals and alumni like Cody Campbell that has stepped up and, um, you know, taken the steps to, to continue to um, position Texas Tech for, for success and to continue to build the, the brands of the young people who come to compete at Texas Tech. Kirby, when we talked to uh, to Mac and, and to Jamie Pollard, and, and there was a lot of uh, just kind of circling back to realignment stuff, and now that the waters have sort of calmed, do you feel like the waters are calm now and everybody can kind of – you know, especially in the Big 12, trying to collect themselves and move forward with football season? Or is it something where you're always, you know, awaiting? Like Jamie said, you know, hey, the TV money, as far as we know, is dried up. There's no, you know, uh, I guess, rush to make any further moves. We're happy with who we've got. And, you know, obviously things always change. But how would you kind of describe the, the way that you view that whole landscape? Is it is it time to kind of take a deep breath? Or, or is, is can you even do that in college athletics anymore? 
I'm not sure you do that in college athletics okay. anymore. I, I think we've got a lot of work in front of us. You know, we, we've got to come up with how we're going to uh, schedule, how we're going to operate within a 16 member league beginning, you know, 12 months from now. So our, our time to make decisions, to, to work through a lot of logistical things is, is heavy. And we begin that uh, starting tomorrow, we have Big 12 Athletic Director meetings in, in Dallas the next couple of days, so we'll get to work on that. But, you know, you, you don't have to look far. You look out to the East Coast and the Atlantic Coast Conference, and you hear what uh, some of those universities, presidents, board of regent members, athletic directors are saying, and you better not you better not take your attention off of realignment because I'm not sure it's 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 over. Maybe it's you know it's over for the Big Twelve Conference as we go into this football season, but we better not lose sight of it because things are ever changing. What did you learn most about being the spokesman for the CFP committee? <laughs> that, that you're never going to win on a Tuesday night when you go oh. on to ESPN. <laughs> so, you know, I could we could go on with stories about, you know, the fan bases of whoever was was five or six that that particular week and the the phone messages and emails and even packages delivered to your house, the things that fans would do. But that's what made college football so great is the, the passion of the fans, the interest of the fans. And, man, I cannot wait less than three weeks away to get this season started. It brings so much anticipation and excitement across the country, but especially, as you all know, in the state of Texas. Does the committee's job become easier when the when it expands next year because you know at least – half of the teams that you're you'll be picking right off the bat or does it get more difficult because there's more teams and instead of five and six being mad at you now you've got 13 through probably 18 that that might have the same kind of beef yeah it's a good question i i don't think it'll get any easier on the committee um and you like you just said teams 13 through 16 are going to be just as, as disappointed as teams you know, five through seven are currently. So, you know, the, I, I believe the committee has has done a good job. Um, it's always going to be debatable each and every week when the rankings come out. But I know it's people of high integrity that are uh, watching all these games and, and doing the very best that they can. And, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. And, and, and I think with some of the conference realignment, jumping back to what we just talked about, they'll, they'll probably – you know, need to be a lot more conversations about how those, you know, the selection of those 12 teams and the playoff um, process needs to be administered and how that's going to be approached. Final thing uh, from us, and we do appreciate your time, Texas Tech AD Kirby Hocutt here with us on 365 Sports. Uh, you guys uh, are, are no strangers to excitement. I mean, it's the last few months, it seems like the level of excitement for this upcoming football season has been building. Big non-conference game, big projects ongoing, uh, just big expectations. Uh, just what would you describe the energy to be like right now in Lubbock, Texas, when it comes to Joey McGuire and this football team that's going to be taking the field here in a couple of weeks? Well, the, the organization and, and the team reflects the, the, the leader, right? And y'all know Coach McGuire and you, you can't compare anybody to Joey McGuire. He is, he is special. He's unique. He's got, he's got this team believing that big things are ahead and, and not just believing the way they've committed 
uh, over the course of the spring and the off season, summer months. Uh, the first part of camp here to preparing for success has has been incredible. But you know, you've seen it. Joey McGuire comes to Lubbock, Texas. He immediately uh, infuses so much confidence and energy and passion into not just this football program or athletics department, but into this university, into this community, into our alumni base. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's Joey. What he has done has been just remarkable. And um, there is no doubt that it's the perfect fit for Texas Tech football to have the leadership of Joey McGuire. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to lead us to great success in football. And as you all know, nothing else is more important. And we're going to enjoy every every step along the way and celebrate the good times and uh, just so fortunate that we have Joey McGuire at the, the head of this football program. That is Kirby Hocutt, Texas Tech Director of Athletics. Kirby, thank you so much for joining us. You bet, gentlemen. Thank you all. Have a great day. All right. That's Kirby Hocutt. Next, and we'll go to break really quick here, Craig, because we did push him back. Matt Baker, Tampa Bay Times, joins us. This is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. 
Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Now, and thank you for being patient, uh, Matt Baker, Tampa Bay Times, joins us. And Matt covers pretty much everything going on when it comes to college football in the state of Florida for the Times. And Matt, uh, the big story, we'll get to some other things, but the big story is Florida State and they're barking about the ACC. Today was the day where they would have had to say that they were leaving the conference. Obviously, that has not happened yet. We're about an hour away from or not even that long. It's it's almost close of business, I guess, really, on the East Coast. Uh, so um, do you think this year was kind of phase one of whatever their plan is? Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I do think this year was – look, there, there's been uh, a lot of unhappy people in Tallahassee for quite some time about the ACC's TV contract situation and, and what the Knowles are getting from it. Um, it just kind of – went to a head this year you know go back to february i think it was when there was a board of trustees meeting where they started talking openly about whether it's time to to, to mosey on from the ACC. then obviously a couple weeks ago that went to you know it blew up again um but it just didn't make sense to me that they would want to get out immediately i mean yeah they'd like to but the question how and if you're wrong and you know you're trying to get out of this grant a rights agreement and maybe you have a strategy that works but if you're wrong it could be half a billion dollars a billion with a b by the way then also you need a the big 10 or the sec presumably to, to buy into it and agree to take you on and there, there are a lot of ifs in here that which didn't make sense for me that they would be able to make it happen so quickly even though this has been going on for a long time so to me it's just a matter of all right everybody knows they're not going to be there by 2036 how quickly can they get out? Where do they go? And what does that look like? Those are the questions to me now. So, Matt, uh, just to be clear for those who don't keep a, you know close track of all these types of things, today would have been the deadline uh, to move if they wanted to move for next year, correct? So, in theory, yeah. that's going to go by here in the next few minutes. And so that closes the door on that. Would there be anything down the line outside of just whenever somebody like Drew Weatherford or whoever it may be decides to, you know, bark again um is that really probably the the next step here is just more rattling cages and and that's about it well yeah there there could be a a next step soon in terms of actually trying to leave i'm not saying it will happen i'm saying it could happen um you know if you listen to the the meeting the other day and and believe me i i've sat through way too many board of trustees (laughs) meetings here where they're talking about aviation law and critical (laughs) software development and all this stuff that your listeners will find riveting um, the, the bottom line is this: they are unhappy, and it's gone to the point from we're unhappy behind the scenes. Now we're unhappy in front of the scenes on camera, and now we're really unhappy and thinking of ta- publicly talking about ways to get out. So where they left things a couple weeks ago at the trustees meeting was we will come back here soon, sooner rather than later, to actually hopefully have a plan. And, and I I don't know if that's next week, 
it's a, you know, uh, I think it's the September 7th and 8th is the next scheduled meeting. They could do it before then. But I, my, I guess what I would say is this. I think at some point in the next year, before August 15th of 2024, Florida State has a plan in place, an exit strategy on this is how we're going to leave the ACC. What is it? Can it work? I don't know. But that would be the expectation that I have. Matt, do you think that they will have a partner in Clemson in that? I think they would like to have a partner with Clemson or, or Miami or North Carolina. I mean, these are the schools that are in a similar situation. They're just going about it in a different way. And maybe there's less risk involved if there's more people who are willing to jump too. But Florida State, for whatever reason, has been very very vocal about this. I think some of it is they've been probably trying to telegraph the Big Ten and SEC. Hey, we're unhappy. You're looking. Give us a call. 850. Um, I think some of it's that. I think some of it is the Florida State fans in particular are unhappy. So I think uh, some of the FSU people have been yelling to make sure that their uh, fans and constituents and boosters hear them yelling. I think there's some of that as well. And maybe they're just trying to gauge support in terms of what is it that we can actually make happen here. Um, so, yeah, I would, I know, you know that Clemson's in North Carolina, the Miami is Virginia. Those guys would have options, but it's a matter of can somebody make that first leap and what's the blueprint to get out? So we know Florida's fine where they are. FSU, Miami, it remains to be seen. UCS about to jump into the Big 12. Uh, will be playing their first Big 12 game here in, in less than a month. And, you know, you can't help but see the, the latest Big 12 moves, the latest Big 10. You know, now there's this, the pack remaining schools talking with the ACC and, and the American... How does USF feel about all that's that's going on right now? I mean, what's the level of frustration, do you think, for the fan bases and, you know, just trying to, to find their place after the past couple of years and the way that it's gone? Yeah, I think there's definitely some, you know, I've written this in the past at TampaBay.com. USF picked a bad time to be bad at football is what it boils down to because if you could rewind the clock and where they were in kind of that, you know, 2016, 2017, that range, um, when they were pretty good, if you put that team and teleport that to today, where USF nationally ranked, you know, that sort of thing, they would be, I think they would have a home. I think it would have worked out differently. But the fact is they've been off for, for the last couple of years, four wins in three years, which is why they find themselves on the outside looking in. So there's a good amount of frustration on just where the timing broke with USF. Um, I think there's some frustration with fans because they were so kind of, lackadaisical when it comes to facilities over the years in terms of, you know, they just recently opened, formally opened the indoor practice facility earlier this year. I'm, I'm here to tell you in Florida at the time of year, it rains almost every day. Not having an indoor was a major hit. And then obviously the, the on-campus football stadium that they're working towards, all this type of stuff could have been done a while ago for whatever reason it wasn't. And you factor all those things in together, that's why USF was left behind. And I think there's some unhappy people there. And you know, just to, to say one more thing on this, their, their academics is on the right. And remember, conference realignment is not run by the ADs or the football coaches. It's run by the university president. And USF academically is the best place they've ever been. Just recently admitted to the AAU, which is a prestigious group of, of research schools. I think there's only 71 in the country. So there's a lot going for it. It's just a matter of their football team has been terrible. And, and unless that improves or until that improves, it's going to be hard for them to find a bigger home. 
and you know, like Craig mentioned, it's got a sting because their big rival just down the road, ninety miles away, is is expanding. They're in conference expansion. They're in the Big Twelve starting this year, and Gus Malzahn appears to be reaping the benefit that's already on the recruiting trail. Yeah, absolutely. UCF's on pace to have their best recruiting class ever. Um, got a actually got a commit from a blue chip running back Stacy Gage, who's from the Tampa area originally. Um, they're they're doing what UCF, I think is supposed to do and what USF could have done and maybe will do at some point in this, you know, as the time goes on where those are both programs at major schools, big time schools, you know, huge enrollments, huge alumni bases and fertile recruiting grounds where I think everybody knew if one of them, if it took off at one of them, it had the potential to really take off and it has taken off at UCF. You know, obviously you look at the success they've had, the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl and all that stuff. Now you're seeing it on the recruiting trail, and uh, there's definitely some people in, in USF and in Tampa looking over like, man, why couldn't we have that? And again, maybe if things go break, break differently or broke differently in the past, maybe that could happen. Matt, uh, pivoting elsewhere, the biggest story in Florida sports right now, Graham Mertz, starting mm-hmm. quarterback for the Gators. I mean, I don't think this was uh, much of a shock to anybody, but what's sort of been the reaction just around that part of the country uh, for, you know, Billy Napier's announcement of, of Mertz being the guy? Yeah, it was no surprise at all. I I, I expected it. I think most Florida fans expected it. Just because, I mean, you bring in a, a transfer who has his experience, I think, with 32 starts at Wisconsin, he knew he'd be the guy, and so he is. Where I think it's going to be interesting is how good can he be at simply being efficient? Uh, you know, Billy Napier's the, the stat he looks at with quarterback is a 145 passing efficiency. That's that's the number. About 40 is in the country last year. So he, he's not looking at you to be a superstar. He's looking at you to be good, to to manage the game. I don't mean that as a pejorative, by the way. Just to manage the game, take what's there, use two really good running backs and Etienne and Montrell Johnson, and a good offensive line, kind of take what the defense gives you, and then when there's an opportunity to take a shot take a shot but first make those intermediate throws and the, the short throws in a way that Anthony Richardson didn't last year so that's kind of the upside on Mertz is if he can be efficient and make the unspectacular plays and make some big time throws when the situation calls for it maybe we can see a, a jump from Florida or at least have them kind of outperforming the middling expectations this year how were you surprised though and, and I don't mean to you know we you just mentioned he's a game manager Graham Mertz were you surprised that they didn't get it better on a, a transfer quarterback and get maybe hotter in that market earlier on yeah a little bit you know Billy said in the offseason I think they had eight different guys on staff including Billy uh, who were looking at I think they evaluated two dozen quarterbacks who either were in the transfer portal or they thought might go in the transfer portal and Graham Mertz was their guy now could that mean they missed on other people you know maybe they wanted Sam Pratt or uh, Michael Pratt excuse me um was at Tulane and didn't go or Sam Hartman from Wake Forest and maybe they just missed on him maybe there was some of that but look Mertz was a really talented player in high school he was the top 100 national recruit in the 247 composite um I think the number three pro style quarterback obviously one of the better quarterback recruits in the history of Wisconsin so it's not like he was a schmuck it's just it didn't work out for him there and maybe if he's you know he is talented and and maybe he just needed to change the scenery and maybe that's what the staff thought look put this guy in our system get him a fresh start let him hit the reset button maybe he can take off Matt Baker Tampa Bay Times Matt thanks for rolling with us we appreciate it Uh, always had great having you on the show
That's Matt Baker, Tampa Bay Times, with us uh, here. And um, a lot of stories there in the state of Florida. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Canes. Yeah. Uh, and whatever they're going to do this year. Uh, not as loud of an offseason for them. Uh, I, a little bit more of a re- kind of going back, like, don't pay attention was, to us. I think that was planned by yeah. Mario Cristobal because – you know, he would like, it's weird. It's a tightrope to walk of. Because, boy, they were chirping last year around yeah. this time. Well, but Miami fans are talking big game fa- last year. Fans are very fickle no matter oh, where yeah, you are. Sure. But in Miami, they're particularly fickle. You know, it is Miami and L.A. kind of live in that. You better be good because we, we, need, we need celebrities. We need stars. We need this to be an event. It's not just about going, it's about being seen in places like that. And we need Messi to yeah, go watch our soccer games. Exactly. Yeah. That that kind of a thing. The Mar the Marlins have won two World Series and it was by going and getting the the highest dollar team they could afford for about a year and then selling it off for parts. Yeah. Like that's that's how that works. So that's how Miami works. Like the Dolphins, look at the Dolphins. It's Terry Kill and Jalen Waddle now, and people are excited, and there's there's more buzz about it. They got a fun coach too, and yeah, and yeah. But, so, but yeah, I mean, they're just they're just quieter compared to where they were a year ago yeah, when it was a lot of NIL I, talk and all that. And I think that Mario Cristobal wanted to get the fans excited, right? But also probably knew like if you get a couple of injuries and Tyler Van Dyke was playing hurt apparently all year um which again we'll see if he bounces back but he had a really really bad year yeah, when they expect him to things. be a lot better uh and you know they were just a team in transition so we'll see I think they could sneak up on some people this year I do think that they were and I think Mario Cristobal found this out probably about three weeks into the season like oh uh this roster isn't quite as good as I thought it was. And sometimes you don't know until you start playing the other guys. Yeah. You know, you, you really don't. You think, okay, well, this is good. Like, these guys beat these guys in practice. But, you know, when you start playing the other guys, then you know. Yeah, so it's just it's kind of quiet around them. Um, maybe I just need to spend more time in, in Miami Twitter circles or something to, to see what all the buzz is about. But, I mean, it's probably the best plan because it was a little, little, little out louder last year and it was a pretty forgettable season. But, yeah, I mean – you got them. That'll be really interesting with Cristobal and just how you know they sort of steer that ship. And then obviously with Napier and um, you know the Gators in year two, that's going to be similarly interesting. And uh, UCF, I mean, joining the Big Twelve seems like there's a lot of real excitement surrounding that. And Florida State's obviously got a ton of excitement as well. So uh, a lot of fun storylines there in the state. And, you know, didn't want to, you know, rub salt in the wound of USF, but I can't help when I'm looking at whatever's going on with, you know, there's definitely not as much spice to the Pac-12 rumors now because I think there's not as much just being floated out there and being intentionally put out there. So it's kind of quiet. And it's kind of boring, honestly, the whole, like, what's going to happen with the American and the Pac because there's just not really a whole lot to go off of. Um, but I, you know, can't help but think of USF. Uh, and how affected the American has already been, and just kind of looking around them now and going, oh, dang, did we miss the plane? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think you might have missed the plane, unfortunately, but we'll see how that shakes out. Just wanted to touch on that, though, because it's one thing to see UC, a UCF leave. It's another thing when, like, a whole nother round of things happen yeah. with multiple conferences, and you're still just sitting there with your bag in your hands. So I feel for, for the diehards there. But uh, I think with the Florida State thing, this is what I, I um, thought of. And I don't know if I'm not very good with comparisons or whatnot, but you know, in uh, in the first Jurassic Park, when the Raptors are kind of testing the electrical cages, or yeah. is that the T Rex or whatever? That's the Raptors. I feel like that's what they're doing. Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> yes. Like they're testing the weak spots in the G O R and just kind of they're you know 
Well, sh- okay, still still lit. All right, yeah, yeah. but they're 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 taking their time. They're gonna bring that bad boy on down. That's that. I don't know why that popped into my head, but that's that's the comparison I would draw with Florida State that, right now. That cool hunter guy who's like they're learning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Aussie guy gets yeah. obliterated by a raptor, but yeah. no, they're just kind of checking the Clef, fences. Clever and, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and I think that's kind of uh, where we're we're headed with that. But that that's that's what it came across to me as. So. That's the meme we need to make if Florida State finds their way out of it yeah it's just that there guy and the raptor with a with a, a seminal head on it and him going creeping clever, up the side clever girl yeah <laughs> right there <Before> pouncing yep. <laughs> absolutely okay when we come back i want to get to that brett yormark um comment and it was look he is and i say this sometimes you see somebody's a shark and it's it's an it's meant to be an insult mm-hmm. i i don't mean that like he is constantly moving and i do appreciate the way that he does business in that he he'll hear him say on the quote like he telegraphed that he was very transparent about what his goals were for college realignment and you know i i think that you know sunlight's the best disinfected i think we as consumers of things deserve more transparency we you i mean you have walked to the grocery store and think about major brands and how little you know about what's going in to make what you're you're buying. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of transparency I would like in the world. And that's kind of the transparency we got of, you know, hey, we know how this sausage is getting made in the Big 12. We, we knew the whole time. Like, this was... We the want the four-corner schools. Yeah, that yeah. is our goal. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's basically what they said. Yeah. yeah. Not was, even hiding it, it whatsoever. Wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there was no sneaking up on anybody. No. We intend to be in this time zone. We intend to expand. Brent Zorneman wasn't suddenly popping a story on yeah. media days of, you know, two teams. No, this was, this was as out in the open of a pursuit as you could possibly have and reiterated at various points, not only by the commissioner himself, but by athletic directors. I mean, they... Did not hide it whatsoever, but I think when you hear Brett Yormark, and does this podcast come out Wednesday, or is it already out? Wednesday, Wednesday? okay, I thought so, because I hadn't seen anything else from it, so I suspected that, yeah, there would be more that would be out there if, if they had already dropped it, so I think this does come out Wednesday, but I think when you hear his explanation coming up, uh, not only does he, he uh, you know, answer very effectively, you know, the, the Big 12 side of things. But I think he throws the proper amount of salt in other directions that kind of deserve it as well, of like, oh, no, not us. It's like, oh, no, yeah, you too. And, and yeah. you can hear that for yourself here coming up in just a second. All right, we'll hear that next. This is 365 Sports. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. 
Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Mac Rhodes in the next segment will be two eighties today, and one of them we plan for. I'll just, like, now that we've got some distance between those two segments, I will reveal what happened. We had been talking to Texas Tech about having Kirby Hocutt on, but we didn't have a date, and then we got to that first break, and Kirby Hocutt called me, and I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> you looked at me and said, are we supposed to be talking to Kirby Hocutt? And I was yeah. like, I have no idea, yeah. but apparently so. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're thrilled that we got him on and just rolled with it, but... Uh, you would have had a little bit more of a breather to kind of yeah. like, you know, oh, okay. But uh, I think we handled it as best we could. So, yeah, if I'm just kind of like, you know, stuttering a little bit, I was just trying to get on my P's and Q's as quickly as possible because, yeah, that was an unexpected but welcome surprise. And I think it uh, it went well, and he did not extinguish any realignment flames. 
Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. Not with anything crazy. No, no gasoline to pour on it. But you know, I think he echoed comments from Jamie Pollard of Iowa State and also Mac Rhodes of Baylor, who again we'll talk to here in just a second uh, about the fact that the Big Twelve is, you know. They're a little fuller than they were before. Had a nice meal, uh, so to speak. Not making light of the pack in any way, but just just saying in general. Um, and in, instead of just you know being full and fat and happy, though, they are still sitting there with a, a bit of an appetite if the right course uh, comes along. You know, yeah. not not just any meal, but uh, you know if the if the right uh, you know team is out there, they are still eyeing that. So we've only had that you know, triple reinforced now, I think, in the last week by athletic directors from the league uh, with Rhodes, Pollard, and uh, Hocutt now saying that, yeah, we're we're waiting and just, you know, not not going out. No, just we're ready if mm-hmm. anything were to happen, and we know that, that more things are bound to happen, which I, I think everybody in the country is clued in on at this point. Yeah, no, uh, he has not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, we mentioned Brett Yormark here in uh, this segment and what he said on uh, – Marchand and Outround, or Outrand and Marchand, which... Uh, Outrand and Marchand, I think, is how... You'll see the graphic in a second. But the Sports Business uh, Podcast, which is so great. Uh, But Brett Yormark is on their episode this week. This is the audio from that interview with uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark. What I have learned here, doing expansion, and I still do have a little bit of a knot in my stomach, I never want my gain to be someone else's loss. Uh, it's it's it, that's a little different here, and I on the heels of not Colorado but of all four corner schools coming. I texted George, reached out to him. Obviously, he was busy. He and I spoke last week, and effectively, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry, it came down to this, and I'm sorry I put you in a tough position, but this was something that you know we 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 had to do and." You know, this was something that the board and our key stakeholders um, encouraged. And um, I'm sorry that my gain is your loss. And we had a very collegial conversation. George was fantastic. And I'll be seeing him again in a couple of weeks at some industry meetings. Um, I'm not one to hide. And and again, I've been very intentional um, about expansion. And And I did that in an effort to make sure that I didn't do it. I didn't do, you know, expansion didn't happen in someone's shadow. It didn't happen at night. It wasn't a shock and awe moment. Everyone knew the Big 12 had an appetite to expand. And um, I, I, I'm maybe some people in the industry didn't like that, that I was so intentional about it. But I'm very transparent. In fact, I telegraphed it. Um, and I just felt that was the right way to do it versus other things that I w- witnessed and and, and and observed in our industry over time where transparency really wasn't really, the, you know, what happened. I felt I had to do it a little differently. And that's really about my personality and how I do things, generally speaking. What I have. So there you go. That's uh, what he said. And I, I think that um, I appreciate the operating in the open. I mean, it was clear. Sure. It was one of those things you were saying. I, uh, but it was so out in the open, buddy, that they were you know, complaining about how in the open yeah. it was. Like, there was there was no attempt to hide anything on his end or the Big 12's end, and it worked out for them in the end. Um, but I do want to single out one thing there, and that was at the, the very last part of that clip. I 
I haven't seen a lot. I literally saw why I just Googled Brett Yormark's name just to see, like, what else is out there um, as we start to talk about this. And I saw a couple, just a couple of comments, and maybe there's 200 of them. I don't know. I'm not looking that deep into it. But to think that that clip was him taking a shot at the SEC, that was clearly to the Big Ten to me because they're the ones that have double-dipped in this yeah. whole thing. So I think, to me, it's more them. Like, they, they got Oregon and Washington without doing any of the out-front public stuff that your mark was doing. Oh no, we're fi- we're we're fine. We're not looking to expand. Oregon, Washington are available on the cheap. Bingo. And, like, oh, and they'd already vetted them. They'd already vetted them. Yeah. You know. Now I know they did that the last time or whatever. But like, we nod, nod, wink, wink. We know what the Big Ten's up to. They're they're not sly. So yeah, I think that that was more in their direction than it was in Sankey's direction. Um, but you know, however you want to read, that's fine. I just I love the honesty and the openness, and I love him as the commissioner. Um, been an incredible year just watching how they wheeled and dealed and, and got things done, and it's just a breath of fresh air. I don't know how long, you know, that uh, we'll be able to enjoy that type of an attitude and direction, but hopefully for a good while. But I know that he's, you know, that Aaron and Marsha are talking about he's like – be in the running for like executive of the year based on all the things that that's going on. So he's going to only get more attention, but man, the, the, the last year and big 12 athletics with him at the helm with the ADs just saying, let's go. Uh, has been a lot of fun to track and, and a huge departure from, you know, basically their, uh, the, the remainder of their entire history before that uh, total, total 180 from kind of how it was, um, you know, prior to his arrival. So that's been fun. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's been it it's been eye opening and and I do I yeah, I appreciate all that. I I agree with the Big Ten. Like they Yeah, they well we don't they kept saying like the, the rumor, the things that they were Us? clearly putting out was well we don't want to be the ones who kill the Pac twelve kill the Pac twelve. <laughs> yeah. But you started but you, it. But you did though. You still yeah. you, but you still were the ones that killed the Pac twelve because whatever the reporting was and we gotta go to Mac Rhodes, but Apparently, Oregon, Washington, and all they're staying together, and all of a sudden, minds are changed or whatever. So unpack that how you want to, but without Big Ten interest, those schools stay pat and nothing changes. So, no, it was much more on their, the blood on their hands as much as anybody else's. And why even try to, like, I, I don't get, like, I guess fans of, uh, you know, I'm not like a fan of the Big 12 per se of, like, that's my team that I root for. You know, there's definitely things that I pull for, but... What's wrong with just saying if you're a Big Ten fan, like, yeah, they killed it. Admit it. So what? You did it and move on because that's what happened. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely not a one-man show with uh, the end of the pack there, although the end remains to be seen because they're still obviously trying to, uh, to find ways to make it still work. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, when we come back, our good friend, Mac Rhodes, joins us. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 levels.
letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro, Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Mac Rose, Baylor Director of Athletics, here with us on 365 Sports. And, Mac, uh, uh, this segment's brought to you by Edward Jones, by the way. That was my bad on the uh, open. But, uh, but Mac, uh, this has been uh, now kind of a quiet week in realignment, but you do hear things from other parts of the country. Like uh, Trev Albert said, the, the next round of realignment could be a lot more disruptive as F- as it is, do you guys have to think about that actively? Or how do you, you know, deal with the good news that's happened now for the Big 12, deal with whatever could be coming later, and kind of guard against anything that's on the outside? 
Yeah, I think you know we're we're living in a in a in a time where you know it, it seems and feels like anything's possible, and um, and so I, I think we always you know we always need to be mindful and 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 on on the lookout. Um, you know, um, at the same time, we got a lot of work to do. When you think about, you know, I think I'll probably reference it as the first four and then the second four to not not confuse any everybody but you know there was a lot of work in terms of the first four and uh with their beginning their membership here on uh this past july 20 uh this past past july 1 2023 and and now the next four you know for for next july 1 2024 and um so a lot of work to be done and and, and a lot of conversations to be had and and yet you know um i think you've always always got to be thinking about that that next that next move um you know we believe that that the the addition of of the eight to to the original eight you know positions us well for a for a next tv contract you know that begins that would begin july 1 2031 and uh, and uh so you know you, you you think about you know all of that um do, do I think we, we get there? Um, you know, I, I, I probably would, would tell you, I, I do, you know, at, at this point in time, I, I think, you know, uh, there's still a lot to play out in college athletics. And I think one of the biggest pieces, uh, still to play out is the CFP. And, uh, you know, we all know that we're, we're moving to 12, but does that even change? And then, you know, what is what is the negotiation, the TV negotiation look like, you know, for the for the CFP and whatever that ends up being, does, does that stabilize some things for for a period of time uh, as well? So uh, a lot of different things, you know, to, to, to be thinking about. And um, but I think to your question, Paul, uh, you know, it's kind of after a a big time victory, right? A, a championship game victory. Um, you, you want to be able to take a deep breath in and reflect and enjoy. Um, but you, you gotta, you gotta get right back to work in terms of, you know, next year and, and, um, and being ready and being, being prepared. So does that mean no real vacation time between now and the football season that's now looming given the, the last time you're on vacation, a lot of that was, wheeling and dealing and, and, you know, talking to, to schools on, on behalf of the big 12 or talking yeah, about schools, so, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, uh, vacation is over as we know it and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into, get into, you know, the, the football season and, and, um, uh, you know, as I've had, you know, just in the, just really, you know, in the past couple of days, uh, yesterday and today, I've had a lot of questions about what's going to happen with the conference name, what's going to happen with scheduling, are there going to be two divisions, you know, will football be handled differently than the rest of the sports when we think about scheduling, you know, all of those things. And so that's just some of the work that uh, that we, the, the Big 12, you know, all of us, all, uh, I guess, 16 of us now need to be need to be uh, thinking about and talking about what does it do for our championships? How many, how many, you know, how many teams are going to go to the women's basketball championship, the men's basketball championship, other championships. And so just a lot to, uh, 
to be to be talking about. And you know, I think the 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 good thing for the Big Twelve about all of this is you know we've positioned ourselves so you know if there's some some additional change here in the future, you know um, that we can we can be part of that in a in a positive way in a in a good way. So um, and you know. Craig, I think you mentioned, or maybe Paul, but, you know, talking about some of the other chatter and the noise with, with, uh, you know, the four remaining PAC 12 schools, the Mountain West, the ACC, you know, all of that. And so, um, yes, we're, we're following that closely and we'll be interested to see where, where all of that, all of that lands. And again, uh, certainly feel for the, uh, the four PAC 12 schools. We mentioned it last time I was on the, on the show. Um, and you know, we talked about it on this, on the show plenty of times, um, because, you know, just the, the, the conversation out there about the, the possibility of the big 12 expanding that nobody was, was looking to, 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 to dismantle the, the, the PAC 12, but, but if they, you know, ended up with a, a TV deal that, that maybe wasn't in their, their best interest that we needed to be ready. And, um, uh, and uh and uh and make sure that we had all our all our ducks in a row and uh be ready ready for that moment and uh and we were mac you're you're a fun guest because there's a lot of different things that we can talk to you about but but one of the things that i do like to do from time to time is just get insight from you know an athletic director's point of view on kind of how things work so you know dave aranda's talking the other day and he's a california guy he went to rose bowls with his father he, he brought that up and so he was saying that you know the realignment thing it's great that it's it worked out for the big 12 but it's also a little bit bittersweet and i know that you had similar thoughts i mean you're, you're arizona guy so you know you have your your own ties there but what's it like on your end as an athletic director when something like that's occurring and then you're going and telling coaches like how does that process work of hey by the way the big 12 is expanding we're all of a sudden we're going to have these schools and this and that how does how does all that kind of unfold from the ad's chair yeah i think that um you know um and I, that's a great question i appreciate the question but um you know we here, you know, at least within the, the, the Baylor athletic department, um, I think we share a lot of information and we try to be as, as, uh, forthright and as, and as transparent as, as we possibly can and, and give people a heads up. So they're not, not surprised. And, you know, particularly with, with our head coaches now, you know, a lot of this was, you know, really, really sensitive and, you know, um, at one moment, right, thought it was going to happen, then we didn't think it was going to happen, then, you know, all of a sudden it's it's happening. And so, um, you know, there are individual conversations with coaches, um, absolutely. And uh, so um, we we try to do that when, when appropriate. Um, you know, we, we try to, you know, communicate, um, you know, uh, ahead of time, you know, what, what was going to happen and how it was going to going to happen and so uh really wanted our our head coaches to hear from me rather than from a, a big 12 press release that um that we were we were adding the, the three additional schools we did the same thing with uh with colorado so you you try as best you can to be out front and, and be transparent and you know i think you know we we've also had some some meetings where just thoughts on 
you know, we, we talked with our head coaches at, at one time and, you know, this is two years ago, you know, um, and this is the craziness of it, you know, what would you, how would you feel if, if we, if we went to the PAC 12, um, you know, um, we, we had those types of conversations. So, um, yeah, you, you try to communicate and be as, as, uh, as upfront as you as you possibly possibly can, Mac. Uh, we had uh, Kirby Hocutt on the show uh, earlier today, and he mentioned that you guys have uh, meetings uh, in Dallas coming up. Will Arizona State, Arizona, with a new four, be part of those yet, or uh, do, do they even because it happened so fast have their ducks in a row to do anything with you guys for the next couple months? Yeah, so uh, appreciate the question. They'll be there. Um, you know, they'll be. They'll be, you know, I think probably uh, most of the agenda they'll they'll participate in, and, and there might be a, a small section portion um, that um, that they they will not. But uh, they'll they'll be there. Uh, we we handle it similarly with Cincinnati, BYU, uh, Houston, and UCF. Uh, you know, those the those athletic directors were in were in meetings before their membership officially began on, on, uh, July one, this past July one. So, um, and I think that's, I think that's really healthy, um, for, for them to be part of those conversations. They'll, uh, be part of the, the, the scheduling conversations and, you know, all of the things that, that I talked about earlier in the, in the broadcast. So, um, be good to be good to see them, their friends, um, you know, I think this has been a, a hard time for them. I think if you ask them, they'd be happy and relieved that that it's uh, that it's over, that they've got clarity. I think you know they would also like like I've mentioned, like others have mentioned, that uh, certainly a bittersweet day because we we think about maybe you know some of the some of the other schools that uh, are are uh, in a just in a tough spot. And uh, and I mentioned it last broadcast. Don't. Don't think that I haven't thought about, you know, that, that could have been us two, two years ago. And, um, and, uh, you know, we, we worked really hard so that, it, so that it wouldn't, but, um, uh, but it, it could have been. And so, um, I, I hate that we've got some, some friends some colleagues, some, uh, some great institutions that are, that are in a tough spot. We don't always pull questions from uh, the chat, but we do on occasion. And there was a, a good one yesterday that uh, is right up uh, your alley, and you could answer it far better than us. And, and now, granted, there's some nuance here that's needed because I know it's just not this black and white. But 365, guys, this is from Chris. Managing donations in this era is crucial. If a donor gave Baylor $20 million, how would Mac split the money between NIL and the athletic department? So I know there's some nuance there missing, but uh, – what, what what would you respond to that? Twenty million going your way? How would how would that work in the athletic department as far as splitting that up? NIL versus let's say facilities or something like that. Yeah, so great great question. I just want to make sure that Chris isn't trying to trick me <laughs> into a compliance issue because um, we really couldn't give um, any of that money to, to name image likeness. Now, right? Yeah, GXG, that's right. GXG exchange could so. <laughs> Uh, but but if we were having a, co- a conversation with a donor, and they were quite frankly asking, "Hey, I've got this this pot of money, twenty million dollars, um, back GXG Exchange. You know how how would you you know recommend um, that that we that we use it?" And you know my 
and here's here's the crazy thing about this, Craig. My answer tomorrow might be different. And you know, I exaggerate when I say that, but things are changing so quickly. If we end up with federal legislation, I may answer it completely different than I than I do today. But there's no doubt that uh, I would I would ask that uh, you know some of those monies go go uh, go toward uh, name, image, and likeness. And so you know um, it would be you know some combination thereof of name, image, and likeness. Uh, maybe maybe not a, a capital project and or you know, student, student athlete services. But, uh, you know, for, for us, where we're living right now, you know, you're, you're probably, Hey, over, you know, the, the next three years, you know, um, probably half of it, you know, 40%, 50% of it toward, toward name, image, and likeness. Cause that's, that's what we're living. Um, that's the reality of what we're living right now. So I appreciate it. It's a great question by Chris. Yeah. Mac, um, with the just just a and this is just maybe a personal preference, when legislation's legislation does happen, if it does, um, wouldn't it be easier just to take out like the guardrail? Like would be to make sure you protect the athletes, obviously, but to be able so that you could answer that question by saying yes, here's an NIL fund here that you can directly answer those questions, opposed to to kind of have to talk around it. Yeah. You know, no, no doubt. And I, I think, you know, Paul, one of the, the biggest questions, do we ever get get to a place and point in time where, you know, name, image, and likeness is done, you know, uh, from the university, from the athletic department, right? Does, does you know, they're just, we have bare foundation, you know, that, that raises money for, for scholarships, right? Do we, do we have a division? Do we have a branch of, of the bare foundation that's, that's for name, image, and likeness? You know, um, certainly would probably, you know, help with efficiency and cut down on on confusion. But um, you know, we we it's it's really odd. Um, and and what I'm what I mean by that is, you know, um, you know, you go back to um, the old Southwest Conference days and you know uh, SMU and you know there were there was, you know, rampant, you know, uh, you know, things going on that, that were, were not in line with NCAA rules. And you, you had, you know, really, you know, donors in, in direct, direct contact with student athletes and, and providing monies directly. And, you know, I think over the course of time, you know, um, everybody worked hard um, to, to try to clean that up. Now we all know that that still happens, um, and at some, at some places. Um, but you know, we've gone right back to that. And so now we've got this, 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 this system in place where we've got these collectives and, and we really can't be part of it. We can now assist or help, but we can't part. We cannot provide those monies. And so now we've got, you know, donors that, that are having, you know, direct contact, financial contact with, with student athletes. And, uh, and I just think it, there's, there's liability there. And, uh, and now, you know, I think we've talked about this, you know, um, just the escalation of, of gambling, you know, on, on college athletics and, you know, uh, the numbers are staggering the, the amount of people that, that are gambling on, 
on college athletics. Um, you can't tell me that people that are running collectives aren't, aren't gambling on, on college athletics. And so we've just put ourselves in a really, really dangerous spot. And then, you know, we haven't provided any, any protections really for the, for the, for the student athlete. And, um, and so this, this idea of consumer protection, um, there's, there's just really nothing out there in terms of, you know, how many student athletes have been promised X amount and, and have not, not received it. You know, how many, how many student athletes, um, maybe don't have a great understanding of, you know, what the, the complete name, image and likeness, their, their deal is, is worth and their representative, whether it's an agent or a friend or whoever is, is taking more money than they, than they should. And so it's just a, it's just a bad system right, right now, not to mention, you know, uh, young people, you know, all of a sudden for the first time in your, in your life, you know, you have $250,000, you know, like, what do you, what do you do with it? And, you know, some, some student athletes have that, that infrastructure, whether it's family or, or somebody that's truly looking out on their best interest. Here's how to manage it. Here's how to handle it, be responsible. But I would, you would be amazed at, at how many that do, do not. And just some of the, the stories, and it's sad to see how um, some of our student athletes are being taken advantage of it as well. Mac, uh, last question for you. We had this brought up, I think, in the chat uh, last week. Somebody sent us this question about scheduling. Would you guys be in favor? And you can you can run this off as your own idea if nobody's brought it up yet. And uh, I'd be totally fine with that uh, because it wasn't <laughs> ours either. But if to roll out the new. 16 team big 12 in 2024 have one weekend where all of the eight original big 12 schools and the eight new school or the, the ones that were there. And then the eight new ones play each other on that weekend. Yeah. Um, so what we did talk about selfishly is that the, uh, the, uh, all eight, maybe this is what you were referencing that the original eight, we're getting all home games. So the first round of, of, yeah. uh, of, game so yeah. um but yeah that's a that's a cool idea there's been a little bit of, of conversation and um you know i uh and i joked about this a, a little bit maybe i shouldn't but uh i think it uh it'll be interesting to see where where arizona state plays their first conference game so. yes it will <laughs> yes it will <laughs> yeah i i think that'll be great look and um we asked Rand baker about that last week he's i think he's in favor of yeah. hosting them the first time out he's, he's open to it he's all for it <laughs> Yeah, I ran as you know is a dear friend, and uh, we work together at Missouri. And uh, yeah, I know he's all for it. Don't he, think he's not for it. So he, by the way, he razzed you like crazy on our show last week. Oh, I I know he did, and uh, <laughs> and I I will I will just keep it to my to myself. But uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there. It was. Uh, it was no picnic working for working with uh, working with Ren. He was uh, he was my number two for about 15, 18 months at Missouri. So um, just just keeping him in line was a was a full time job. <laughs> I believe it, Mac. Thanks so much. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Mac Rhodes, Baylor director of athletics, uh, with us here. And yeah, so if we can get eight versus eight weekend, yeah, you know I I. I 
I was going to ask you, but I just didn't want to because we're low on time, but it just feels like the creative juices are flowing a bit more. And yeah. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's the way that it always was, and it just wasn't as out front because there was just other things weighing that down or blocking that from being any kind of a, of a noticeable thing. But it does kind of feel like there's a... Uh, just an alleviated sort of sense of everything, uh, you know, not not carefree, but just a little lighter, you know, just a little lighter feeling around the league than there has been in a long time in a good way. Um, not that that means any lack of motivation or ambition or anything like that, but just it's, uh, it's a little cheerier in, in a positive way than it has been in some time. And I do wonder and, you know, uh, think that that, you know, may lead to just some creative Juices flowing in, in the best kinds of ways, and uh, whether that's a weekend where it's the original eight versus you know all, all home games versus the the newcomers or something along those lines, the Rucker Park event or just mm-hmm. whatever, I, I think that that's great because you know you can kind of get stuck in the mud sometimes, and it's it can be intentional or not, but uh, certainly the Big Twelve had some room to grow and flourish, and, and I think that they've done that in a really positive way these last couple of years. So the idea is out there, um, and so if they end up doing something like that that would be cool but there's certainly opportunities to do more stuff I mean basketball does you know in theory not the exact thing like that but you have your crossover conference challenges you know you have you know special event type things so um, you know in lieu of rivalry weekend although you still want that you know yeah try to try to start some kickstart some new rivalries and Arizona State, West Virginia is a good place to start there in Morgantown. Uh, Baylor, BYU's obviously got like kind of some components already built in. Texas Tech and Arizona, and uh, you know there's there's others that you could come up with as well. So uh, yeah, we'll see if that turns into anything. But one thing's for sure is uh, none of these guys, whether it's Rhodes or Pollard or Hocut or whoever, they're not resting on their their laurels or just relaxing now that you know this big pack. Uh, to do is is done uh, because as he said there and you know Hocut kind of said it as well uh, they are keeping their eyes out and he said it in, in much more direct sense that so they're keeping their eyes out for what all's going on everywhere else whether that's the the four remaining schools in the pack all the way to the other coast and you know Florida State rattling cages in the ACC trying to come up with uh you know alliances for some of these uh conferences and, and all that kind of stuff they're they're still watching and, and seeing what's going on yep uh by the way uh kim coulter uh super chat figures y'all would have kirby on while i'm driving and paul <laughs> fsu leaving acc is very very doable it's not as cumbersome as one might think go read my post i laid out the math for you okay. and kim, kim knows knows some math okay. so i'll i will uh He's, he's definitely better at it than me. Uh, so I know every, every, uh, I am the worst when it comes to. No. I mean, I can do two plus two equals four. I can do some of that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I am, yeah. I am if, a lost cause. If you came here trying to do a math B, uh, we'd be. Oh no, it'd be awful up the creek. But uh, hopefully, you enjoy that hoe cut interview. And it was somewhat impromptu. Um, you know, still was a lot of fun, but uh, was a little unexpected in in the best kind of way. So yeah, we had fun talking to him and. Um, seems like, you know, they're, they're geared up out in Lubbock and excited for everything going on right now for sure. But I think, you know, just in general too, much like Rhodes, much like Pollard and everybody that we've talked to, uh, there's just, uh, you know, uh, a confidence that's, that's, uh, that's there right now that, that wasn't necessarily always, uh, easy to, uh, to see or identify or hear. There's, there's definitely a different tone. Uh, throughout the entire league, and it's been cool to see that. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, Craig Smokes off the radar. This is 365 Sports. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is, 
is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa drap sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenneth. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy. AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome back into 365 Sports. Uh, time for a little off the radar. And uh, just got a, a few various things that we will touch on here in this segment. Uh, for those who maybe are, are new to the show, Tuesdays and Thursdays at around 445, give or take. Uh, just stop down and, and take a look at a grab bag of stories, and so uh, that's what we will do here. And I'm just kind of checking to see if there's anything major I've missed over these last couple of hours while we've been talking. And I, 
I mean, Anthony Richardson has been named the Colts starting quarterback, but I don't think that comes as much of a surprise because, well, that's why they drafted him. And we were talking Florida earlier, but that's one story I didn't have that I'll, I'll loop in here. Um, but I, there does, that goes into uh, another story that I might as well mention here as well when it comes to the NFL. And that is, uh, your guy Dalvin Cook finally yep. got a, got a spot. Uh, Dalvin Cook, former Florida State running back, uh, obviously Vikings running back as well. I was out in the free agent market and, you know, was weighing his options and what have you, but uh, he's now going to be in the backfield alongside Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Brees Hall's back practicing after having some time off, and um, they're taking shape out there in New York uh, with uh, Rodgers running the show. So what are your thoughts on your your buddy Dalvin Cook uh, now joining that uh, that team? I, I, I think they'll be formidable. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard – to like build a team out of nothing like the Jets did in a year with free agents and trades and all that. And I know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but last year was his worst year ever by far. And so, you know, while that might be an outlier, he's, you know, what almost 40 years old and, or maybe might be 40 and you can't just discount that, you know, so it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't wind up in Miami. I thought that's where he's wanted, wanted to go. He went to, Miami Southwestern High School, I thought, or Northwest. I mean, a powerhouse down there in Miami. I thought that's where he would go. But clearly they didn't, you know, feel the need for him with um, the running back stable they have down there. And it gives them a little more time to get Brees Hall completely healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I They also drafted a guy I really, really like in Izzy Abanaconda, who, who came out of Pitt. Yeah, uh, good player. And I think, he, I think, he's, I think he's for sure an NFL back. Uh, if you watched any of – I know Chris did, but uh, Izzy Abanaconda is really, really good. Uh, and I, he had a nice you know, preseason debut for whatever that's worth. You know, that's, that's sometimes hard to gauge. But, yeah, I, I think that's good for the Jets. And, it, look, it'll be interesting to see that AFC East this year with Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and Tua and, um, and Mac Jones and uh, that it, you know, could get shaken up a little bit more. Yeah, uh, so Dalvin Cook to the New York Jets and uh, former Iowa State running back and Brees Hall will be his running buddy up there with Aaron Rodgers. So definitely an interesting team. And uh, you checked out any of Hard Knocks? Uh, with the New York Jets? I have not yet. Okay. I, I usually like to watch those in like two or three episode bursts. Right. Um, I don't I don't need the to be titillated on, you know, like, oh, I wonder what happens next week. Yeah, I, yeah, just, yeah. I just rather know. Um, I, I, I'm also a little bit nervous in that, um, you know, I know that they may not have as much access because the, the Jets, Aaron Rodgers might have kept it between the 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 buoys a little bit more. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen any of it. I've never been a hard knocks watcher. Um, I usually only watch like I've watched you know episode to episode when the Cowboys have been on it sure. like three times. I think. Yeah, uh, I watched the Browns one because of Corey Coleman, and then he got cut, and I stopped watching it. Um, that was yeah. That, um, was, that was. I mean, that was like you're done by the first episode. He was done. Yeah. I mean, or so, was it? Did he make it to episode two? I, yeah, I, I think I think that might have started out episode. two. I just remember yeah. the first episode showing off his Jordan collection. That, you know, I don't know if he's had to sell that off at this point, honestly, and I'm not making light of it because that sucks, but I just, it went from him, like the first round rookie, and he's showing off all these Jordans that he had bought and all that, and then it was like awkward meeting with head coach, and like he was out of there after that, right? Yeah, like it was, pretty, yeah. or it seemed like it was pretty, yeah, it was very thing. awkward and weird. And so I've watched bits and pieces of other ones, but I've never watched a whole season other than when the Cowboys are on. And while it's interesting to me, you know, 
it's all kind of the same story every year for each team that there's a guy that you hope makes the team, Mm -hmm. you know, is really interesting. He's up and comer. There might be kind of a dark horse. There's a veteran who's kind of, you know, doing all that. And then there's, you know, it's the same. So I don't know. I, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) He's in the middle on it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, if it went away, it would not, I wouldn't even notice it. Uh, I, I don't ever make an appointment viewing or anything like that, but I actually did hear, Good reviews on the first episode, so that's why I wondered if uh, if you had played or not, or if you had uh, watched or not. But um, yeah, so that's uh, Dalvin Cook on his way to go be a member of the New York Jets while you were gone yesterday. Also had Zach Martin re-signing with the uh, Cowboys. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because you're obviously a huge Cowboys fan, and that wasn't. I mean, look, he was going to play. That wasn't ever a situation where like, oh my god, are they not going to have him? Like, come on now, but. It just was all of a sudden it was over okay. with, and he got it done. This is uh, and and this is how the sausage is made on the Cowboys. I, I know this well from as long as I've I followed them and covered them and and all that. So I I was in jury duty yesterday, and they make you turn off your phone. Uh, so I, I didn't have it on, and I get out of jury duty. And I immediately see that Zeke's a Patriot, which I don't know if you're going to get to or not. But like that's how I lump that in here. Yeah, yeah, that's happened, and that. Zach Martin has signed his extension and I'm like, or a new deal, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's great news on both counts. Happy for Zeke. Uh, and for, for Zach Martin, it is not a, a surprise that given the Cowboys issues on the offensive line, not the starters, but the fact that Terrence Steele coming back from injury, Tyron Smith is perpetually injured for at least part of a season every year. Tyler Smith's the only completely healthy person on that line outside of Zach Martin. And, and Zach hasn't been in camp yet that they rolled out their backup offensive line to start a game the other day. And you could have made the argument that maybe only one of them was worth being on the team, mm-hmm. uh, that all of a sudden it made it more important to stop this tomfoolery with Zach Martin and pay the man um, what he's worth, yeah. fair market value. So I kind of knew it was going to be the first or second preseason game if they had had an issue like that where it's like, oh. And not only that, um, Chuma Adoga, their offseason signee, who's a guard, got hurt in practice and carted off last week. And we haven't heard what the long-term prognosis is on him yet, but – all this happened, and it's like, okay, well, Zach will be we an Oxnard in a couple yeah, days. We know a guy. Uh, Deuce Vaughn looked great, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looked really good in that uh, preseason game, and uh, big, big things in store, it seems like, for the former K-State star. So there's just a few sprinkling of NFL notes, and we'll have more of that kind of stuff in this segment. And also college football, too, as it uh, as it warrants. And, and there are a couple of notes I might get to in a second. This one actually is college football related because the big bombshell story yesterday was Michael Orr and the blind side coming back into focus uh, as he had some pretty red-hot allegations against the uh, Tuahi family, who, of course, are known as uh, you know the family that brought him into the fold, adopted him, which I now use air quotes because apparently that wasn't what really happened. But, you know, the, the feel-good movie of the year, great sports movie, um, and, and all that jazz, uh, you know, surrounding him, uh, you know, going from a, a, a rough situation growing up to all of a sudden in this family's home and, you know, going eventually play for Ole Miss and the NFL and all of that. Well, he's been retired now for a little while. And yesterday um, there was a, a lot of talk because he had petitioned a Tennessee court with allegations that, uh, well, there was a lie at the center of this entire story. In the 14-page uh, petition, he alleged that Sean and Leanne Tuahi, who took him in as a high school student, never actually adopted him, Paul, mm-hmm. even though that's kind of the basis of the entire story. Uh, instead, less than three months after he turned 18 in 04, 
he uh, uh, says that they tricked him into signing a document that made him, uh, that made them, excuse me, his conservators and gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. Uh, we've heard lots about conservatorships, thanks to like Britney mm. Spears and, and the like. Um, the petition also went on to say that the two of these used their power to strike a deal that paid them and their two birth children millions of dollars in royalties from the Blindside movie, which earned over $300 million, while he got nothing for the story uh, that would you know not be a story without him being a part of it. So that's a part of the, the accusations as well. Uh, all along, they claimed you know he was their adopted son and whatnot, but it turns out according to this that that was not actually the case and it gets into um you know just the, the lies and all of that and i saw a few people point out like well why now you know and oh does he need money and 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 i don't know what the true story is here or not but i bring it up today is not just because of, of it was yesterday but because the two families actually responded now at this point so there's a different layer to this um so the lawsuit was filed by michael Orr against sean and leanne Tuohy yesterday uh, with the allegations that they lied about adopting him basically to get him to sign conservatorship papers. That's the gist of it. Uh, Sean Tuohy told the Daily Memphian, we're devastated. It's upsetting to think we would make money off any of our children, but we're going to love Michael at 37 just like we loved him at 16. We didn't make any money off the movie. Well, Michael Lewis gave us half of his share. Everybody in the family got an equal share, including Michael. It was about 14000 each. We were never offered any money. We never asked for money. My money is well documented. You can look up how much I sold my company for. The last thing I needed was forty grand from a movie. I will say it's upsetting that people would think I would want to make money off of any of my children. And uh, so they go deeper into it, and he goes on to say, Michael was obviously living with us for a long time, and the NCAA didn't like that. They said the only way Michael could go to Ole Miss was if he was actually part of the family. I sat him down and told him, if you're planning to go to Ole Miss or even consider Ole Miss, we think you have to be part of the family. This would do that legally. So we contacted lawyers who told us that we couldn't adopt over the age of 18. The only thing we could do was to have a conservatorship. We were so concerned it was on the up and up that we made sure the biological mother came to court. And he called the allegations insulting. Um, so this is not over. There will be more lawyers, as always. But there's uh, Sean Tuohy speaking out on the allegations made yesterday. Well, I mean, it really does put a damper on that movie, which oh, is so God. good. It but doesn't it ever really? Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things that you can't. Sandra say, Bullock's entire Oscar performance yeah. is like all of a sudden in question. Well, because maybe now it's even more impressive. But maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she really put but, it on thick. Yeah, but uh, it is like that time I met Rudy at Radio Row, and he was a total d bag. <laughs> <laughs> I, we didn't have him on the show. We were, you know what though? You're not the only person that said that. And that's yeah. actually been said enough times now. That's like, kind of like, yeah, no, I like I, we, we were offered to have him on the show and Smokey had already said, it was one of those things where whoever was trying to get him on the show had asked Smokey. Smokey had already said no. And then they came and asked me if he wanted Rudy. And I said, hold on, let me check Smokey's schedule. And Smokey said, no, you really want him. It's not, it's not that good of an interview. I think he had it like years ago and, mm-hmm. and already experienced it. And then later that day, I was standing next to the person who I knew was the PR runner and said, oh, Paul, this is Rudy Rudiger. And he was just not. Like he was, he could not have been. Usually at Radio Row, even the people you know are kind of phony. At least, <laughs> right, yeah. like, put it on. Like yeah. he didn't even. He was like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" I was like, "Well, you know, at least pretend like it's nice to meet me." You know, hey, you know, love the. The only reason you're here is because that stupid movie, man. Like, 
Pretend like stupid. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, yeah, because of a a young Vince Vaughn in there, buddy. Exactly. Yeah, and and Johnny Favreau. Johnny Favreau. Oh yeah, John Favreau was. Yeah, I think that's where they started becoming friends. I think like they met there on on the set of Rudy. But I, yeah, but it was it was like that. So if this would be kind of that way, in that maybe it's not as heartwarming. But when it all comes down to it, there's paperwork and money. You know, money trails on all this. So. I'm sure it'll get worked out. I, if this is really a genuine thing and Michael Orr is mad or somebody's gotten in his ear about things, I could believe all sides of that story. I can that, believe whatever you tell me, I, I can believe it. Yeah. Whatever the factual thing is, I'll yeah. believe it because I've seen it happen both ways where, you know, Michael Orr maybe have, you know, at 37 years old, he has a new business partner and they want to do something. And then they, they start looking into things and they can't do it without the family's consent. And this person kind of gets in his ear and goes, well, this movie that made, made this much money. And here is this, what I pulled up. And so we'll see, I, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. And so we'll see where it goes. I really hope it, I really hope it works out. I mean, if, if, if it's the, the happy version of the story that's been interrupted by an interloper, I hope that's probably the best case scenario, but these things do happen when money gets involved and the family's already like, I believe Sean Tuohy, when he says it, like he's already really super rich. So I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's, that appears to be the case. And, you know, I don't know, like you said, I can believe their side. I can believe his side. Don't really know. That's why there will be lawyers. And you just hope it's not like a money grab, like a desperate type of thing where now you're burning down that relationship because, you know, of a situation where you, I guess, feel you have no choice. I don't know. That will all come out. I know there's a lot of people that follow that story a lot closer um, who, you know, have more of the details or, or feel like they do. And so I'm sure that we have not heard anywhere near the last of this, even if it's not from the Tui family or from Michael Orr. I think others will have plenty to say. Just a couple more notes here. Update on Bob Huggins uh, and what's all taking place. Well, I guess not what all's taking place, but just kind of a follow-up on his uh, DUI from back in June that eventually led to him uh, no longer having the head coaching job there at, uh, at West Virginia. But according to a report from WRTF and John Lynch, uh, Huggins getting 12 months probation uh, will include a 60-day suspension of his driver's license, payment on court costs, completion of a 12-and-a-half-hour alcohol highway safety class, and complete alcohol treatment uh, following court uh, reporting network assessment. So uh, just a, a follow-up on that. And, you know, he started to bark loud there for a little while, and that kind of just went away, uh, you know, when you think about it. Like one minute he was sitting there kind of speaking up about things, and then the next day it was like, we haven't heard anything since then, basically. So I don't know if lawyers were like, hey, buddy, you don't have that great of a case to really be fighting. I don't know, uh, but he will not be serving uh, any further or any jail time as a result, uh, but does have some other obligations to take care of. And uh, I know we probably need to run, so I'll just add this as well. Another addition to uh, Iowa State, this from yesterday, I don't think we ever mentioned it, but uh, Isaiah Lee, uh, who's a defensive lineman for Iowa State, was one of those accused of wagering on games, including one where he uh, bet against uh, Iowa State, has uh, officially left the program as of yesterday uh so that is uh you know now uh, known uh he had been charged with tampering with records for disguising his identity so that he could bet on games online according to some of the documents alleged to have made 115 bets for 885 dollars that's the part i think when we circle back to this and be like you know the, the part where you're telling the the guy at the bar or the girl you know whatever like so where'd you go to college? What'd you do? And you're like, oh, I was a defensive lineman, played Iowa State. What happened? And then you're like, 
well, I got caught in this whole gambling thing. And then surely there's like an Ocean's Eleven style, like you, you did it for something worth it, right? No, I made like 100 bets for less than $1,000. <laughs> that ruined my entire football career, well, and, you know? And, like, and that's the thing that is, I mean, you heard Jamie Pollard say it, is that these kids would get up and they're betting, you know, a little bit. Like five bucks on the Marlins game or whatever playing, it is. Yeah, they yeah. were playing like it was a video game. Like Candy Crush. Yeah, and <laughs> they just didn't stop. And, man, like that's... And I believe it. Like, again, you see these numbers, and you're like, okay, yeah, it's not good that they're betting on Iowa State games or all this or mm-hmm. that. That That's very – but it wasn't It wasn't like anybody said, okay, I'm, I've got $5,000. I'm betting it all on Iowa State not to cover, and then you miss a field goal yeah. later. Like, that's nothing that happened. You're talking about, like, when I saw the numbers, yes, it's certainly above, in a couple cases, that, like, felony threshold, but – the threshold is low for a reason. Yeah. Like, it's not... Just not worth $800 of bets, you know. Yeah. I mean, $8 on average a pop or even less than that per per bet. I mean, that just doesn't seem worth it for your entire college football career to go to the wayside, or, you know, at least at that level. Well, yeah, and the, but, that's when you hear a lot, especially you hear some of these old NCAA stories about some of the benefits that guys got. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, and this is in the 90s. Like, yeah, a guy gave me $1,700 one time, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's not, you know, I get it's it was against the chips. rules, but it wasn't, yeah. you know, or like, you know, A&M was rumored back in the day when they got John David Crow to, that. It, what they, do you mean rumored? Yeah. Well, they, yeah. But yeah, they kicked, they flew over his family farm in a helicopter and, and threw a big bag of money out in the, in the middle of the field. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, well, and that, that probably in 1952 wasn't really that much money. <laughs> James Bond level stuff though, back <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, and final thing here, uh, university of Kansas and their athletic department announced today, their latest plans for the gateway district, which will feature some major upgrades and some reimagining of uh, Kansas Memorial Stadium, but also include a new conference center, multi-use facilities that will enable year-round use and also uh, hopefully drive some economic development in the town of Lawrence, Kansas. Also have combination of retail, dining, other amenities to drive student recruitment and enhance the campus experience for what it says is uh, you know not only the students but the employees as well. Um, but the first architectural renderings were out today, so I just mentioned that because you are married to a Jayhawk, so I'm not sure if she's all these already i don't know i got a text as i was leaving the house today but, from a friend yeah, yeah it looks look really good. cool and uh will certainly be a, a cool deal and i think that's the, the kind of thing now is these party districts right all these college campuses it seems like are, are really going the entertainment district route more and more and more it's like beer sales was a thing a few years ago now it's entertainment districts and so uh, kansas unveiling the the plans and it looks like it'd be pretty dadgum cool for ku fans so check that out if you haven't already but uh yeah the transformed David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium to open in August 2025 and uh, big news on that Gateway District. Uh, so there you go. There's a few things off the radar. Yeah, Garrett, I'm going to uh, – how quickly can you get this turned around if I send it to you? Pretty quick. Okay, here, I'll send it to you so you can see. And, you know, if Kansas gets uh, football going – just enough to where they can keep people entertained when it's not basketball season. That's an athletic department that yeah. can really explode. And this, they also have like part of their whole capital project. There is basketball involved, but uh, as far as the renderings go today, uh, showing off that gateway district, it looks 
pretty cool and there's a lot of bells and whistles and and things of that nature so yeah that'll be fun to see that start to rise up and uh, eventually become a a standard there for the game day experience yeah garrett will will pop it up on screen here really quickly so uh, that you can see it uh really looks quite cool and you know it's something that's uh for ku fans i I think a long overdue. They and they felt that way that they they had really needed this. Got a reason to care now. Yeah, you got a great coach uh, who's got a good football team, and you know, excited to well, see how good they are. But just in general, there's it seemed a little lifeless. Well, they, the other thing they need to do is look when you have a great coach, knowing you may lose that great coach, you want to be able to attract a second great coach. Yes, so I think people forget that part. Of like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, once he leaves, like you need the the next guy. Yeah, so there it is. Yeah, uh, there. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, but yeah, so you need to to make sure that because and this is no offense to the people who are running Kansas back then, but they kind of fell into Mark Mangino a little bit, right? I mean, it, it worked out for them, and he had that good run, and then he was gone. I think you see the district there in the top one, especially like yeah. is that to the left? I think yeah. is what they're really referencing. Yeah, yeah, so it looks cool. So they kind of lucked into Mark Mangino, and then subsequently didn't do anything like they had some coaches who were not successful and some coaches I think that probably are good at certain aspects but weren't right for KU and then they had less miles at the end which wasn't good at all Uh, but they didn't do anything until now to make sure that when that job is open they don't have to necessarily go hope for a Lance Leipold who has been unnoticed for a little while at the lower levels I think like for them and then you know going back to the USF stuff earlier like just always be ready mm-hmm. because you don't know when the calls come in. So instead of, you know, thinking like, oh, we'll do that stadium project in five years when we, you know, everything else will be in better shape or whatever. Like, well, you have the stock market could crash in five years or, yeah. you know, or war, war starts, you know, and, and tears apart the world or COVID hits. And, you know, so just be ready, always be ready to strike uh, whenever, um, you know, whether the iron's hot or cold because you just never know. And the last thing you want is to be sitting there and have the opportunity and then just, oh, we should have been prepared for this moment. And then you may not well, ever get that chance and, again. You and know? Kansas is so bad for so long that you, you probably might, might have missed out on three or four Lance Leipold oh, type coaches sure. yeah. over that long stretch. They were so Possibly, bad yeah. because you're like, okay, well, the Kansas job is open this year. But if I wait till next year, then – you know, maybe, you know, Kentucky would be open. I'm just throwing that out there for football. Like, right. that one's open. Well, that that's also kind of in the similar spot in that it's mostly a basketball school, but they're going to spend more on football than I know Kansas will right now just based on their thing. And so, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, this is great. Happy for Kansas. Um, I am... I have to deal with enough stress during basketball season being married to a Jayhawk. Uh, so, we'll see if she ever gets hooked on Jayhawk football. Uh, she was uh, – I'm surprised she's not because when she was – I'm not, given the way the but, last few years well, yeah, have gone. I don't but, blame anybody for not really being. But when she, props to you that stayed through it, though. But when she was a student, that was during the, the glory years, yeah, the Todd yeah. Reesing times. But, you know, basketballs, that's her drug of choice. So, right. you know, be that as it may, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just go hide in, in another room when Kansas is on. Um, during, during the basketball season. When we come back, one short segment, then John McClain on the first week of the NFL preseason. Anything going on around the league? This is 365 Sports.
Come shop the greatest selection in Central Texas and save big on Ram trucks during the Make This the Summer event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Get a 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab, 20% off MSRP, or 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Plus, if you're a first responder, you get an extra $500 bonus cash. We've got the inventory and we're making big deals. Hurry in today. They won't last long. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Missed this super chat from Chris earlier. And, Chris, thank you uh, once again. 
Notre Dame trying to usher Stanford into an ACC lifeboat while not wanting to join as well, while FSU poking holes in said lifeboat, so it sinks unreal. Yes, it's weird in the ACC in that this is the beginning of their – they – and it's ironic that they signed this long grant of rights to prevent this chaos, and now they are at the center of the chaos because there's there's no one else to create it, right? Uh, I mean, there is but chaos not, yeah. at the level that people care about. Yeah, uh, you know, at, at a, on like a, a wide national level, like what we saw the last few months. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it is interesting though. This whole like the the whole pack and what they do, you know, eventually it is still interesting. But it's just uh, clearly they've they've locked the doors and you know pulled the blinds and they're not letting anybody into their their plans for what those four have uh, in store, uh, whatever that may be. But um, yeah, it feels like sort of the seismic type moves uh, for at least right now. And I know I, I said this before, and then like all hell broke loose, but. Really, like today and yesterday, just sort of feel different, right? Like it just seems like there's way less noise and way less just noise out there in regards to all of this. So it does seem almost like everybody's gone on vacation for a moment before football season starts and like checked out of it. But I know people are still all over it. It's just that you know this next phase where you're kind of eyeing what's going on out on the east coast is uh, a little more complicated and is going to take a little bit more time to kind of uh, get revved up to actually lead to something happening like actually happening not just talk about something happening you know because like that there was months and months and months of talk and then eventually the four corner schools made their decision after over a year of of just talk about the situation itself, I don't know if it'll take that long for FSU or for their their brethren that feel the same way about the future of the ACC or lack thereof. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I just don't think it's it's heated up the, to where it's going to eventually be here. No, I I don't think it is, and I think that that's it's going to be a much longer term play. Everybody wants it to happen right away because they they love the rush. Yeah, we want right? more, baby. Give yeah. us more. Yeah, it's like skydiving. I mean, know? dude, that was like the we got our fix with uh with Colorado. It was just brief, and then you know, couple weeks or was it even a couple it's weeks? A week? It was like a week goes by, and then boom, here's Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, and then here's you know. The, the PAC's collapsing, what's happening to the American, is SMU joining the ACC, like all these things, and then nothing came from any of that. So it's kind of like, well, where's where's my fix? Like, yeah. you're teasing me here. So, yeah, I, I totally understand that, and I think that's why it does seem like it's almost it's almost like quiet in the background because it's, it's back to kind of the slow play time. Although, you know, obviously if it's up to Florida State and their people, all of whom have spoken from their AD, their former quarterback to, to whoever else – uh, they are are not going to sit quietly for very long, most likely. Yeah, a- absolutely. So yeah, there's, um, you know, having the the being loud about it. Like again, if it helps, okay, good luck, you know, for you. But rather, you have a plan before you get loud, as opposed because mm-hmm. and, and then maybe they do, maybe they do. I just think that that's that's the thing that that's weird to me is, yeah, you've brought it up, you brought it up. Everybody's well aware of how you feel about it, and it's not. I don't think it's it, – I don't know that I'm biased here. I don't think it's unreasonable for them to say, well, how do we get this? Right. I don't know if I approve of the method or I think that will be that effective. But if it winds up getting them that in, in the end, then what does it all matter? You know? Yeah. Because it'll it, – you know, whatever works is going to work for them. But I, I don't think that – that um, 
mean, I'm not, I'm just, you know, I'd rather just go about it in a way that makes sense, but I don't know if it does. Well, they're not going to force anybody yeah. into anything. That's for yeah. sure. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe if they were hoping by, you know, kind of shaking the, the cage a little bit that the ACC would slip up somewhere. I, I, I don't know. Or just, you know, want to make their case known. And, hey, by doing that, like all of a sudden NC State's people are like, you know what? We want our future too, and we're we're with you guys, or, or whatever the the intention was. The message is out there and loud and clear. Mm-hmm. So that part they've done effectively. The rest of it remains to be seen. But here's uh, here's a little something. I know we got McLean coming up, but uh, Brett Yormark, uh, no no major breaking news. Just don't get your hopes up here. But apparently he uh, sat down and talked to some reporters from the Four Corner schools. I just saw this from Michelle Gardner. Who, hey, we haven't had her on in a while. The Arizona yeah. State beat writer, uh, but she's uh, she was just putting out there that uh, they got a few Pac-12 media people from the four in or from the the new Four Corner schools got to talk to Brett Yormark, and here's one quote. Uh, right now, we're done when asked if further expansion was on the table. So we've heard that from him. We've heard that from Mac Rhodes, but. Uh, you know, right now it is some key wording there. Uh, we had a vision, we had a strategy, and effectively we've been able to execute it. Initially, I wasn't sure if we'd go to 14 or 16. I think 16 was kind of a dream scenario, candidly. So from our perspective, our focus now is to integrate the four incoming schools as quickly as we can, get them comfortable. We feel really good about our future and what our membership composition looks like when you look at it in terms of where we were and where we are and where we're going. Um, he said that the four corners did not come as a package deal necessarily, uh, that he talked to all four individually and that all the plans came together when Washington and Oregon finalized their move to where the big 10 who no matter what they say or tried to pretend had every amount of uh, weight thrown in there from their own end as anybody else did when it came to the dissolution potentially of the Pac-12 conference. So there you have it from Brett Yormark himself. All of it came together the morning Washington and Oregon finalized their move from the Pac to the Big Ten. The dominoes then fell for the move. Um, He said uh, that after that happened, um, you know, in singular fashions, or uh, I guess leading into that, but then especially after that, in singular fashions, Uh, All four made a decision that was in their best interest and concluded that was joining the Big 12, not just for right now, but for the future. Um, And talked about the familiar Colorado. And I think just said some nice things. I'm just trying to see if there's anything like super noteworthy uh, coming out of this uh, that, you know, that's that's uh, that we need to pass along here. He talks about getting stronger and then scheduling has been ironed out. Yeah. uh, They say scheduling. Yeah, none of that's been ironed. Oh, yeah, no, I was going to say, because it says uh, scheduling's a priority, uh, especially for the non-football sports. So talking about, you know, baseball, softball, women's gymnastics have all gotten much better, uh, but that scheduling uh, is a part of his incoming uh, or upcoming meetings, and that is the top of the list of things that they need to address. So, yeah, I mean, he looks like he went pretty in-depth and um, just nothing like earth-shattering that, you know, is – needs to be passed along but uh there's there's a little bit of a taste of it i don't want to take somebody's entire article and just read it out so go check out michelle gardner and i'm sure by uh, the way she phrases others from the pac-12 four corner schools that are now going to be big 12 four corner schools they'll have uh, various articles about their conversations so there you go and then he's gonna have that podcast drop tomorrow so we're gonna get a lot of brett yormark here a little victory lap if you will over these uh 
over these past couple days. Yeah, I, I hope we can get him again relatively soon. You know, we get him at Big 12 Media Days, and yeah. and then we'll see. But, I mean, look, he's he's hard to book. And, and he doesn't do a lot of media. I think he does very selected where he lays out, like, a lot. Like, mm-hmm. right there. If you read the article real quick, it's a lot. He's, he said yeah, a lot of things. he's talking a lot, yeah. And I do think that it'll be – I'm interested to see how they innovate the Olympic sports because I, I, they can't – they had, football scheduling and Olympic sports scheduling are not the same thing. Basketball scheduling is going to be its own deal. But when you talk about all those Olympic sports, I do think pods kind of make sense in that. There Where's are you. Some, oh, I don't know, buddy. Yeah. You get the pod, anti-pods crowd coming after you. Uh, yeah, there's. I don't know. There's there's some conversations I've seen that there's not people. But that's one of the things you figure out. You, know, like, you figure it, out mean, what works best. Yeah. Pods, to me, I don't like in football all that much. You know, I, right, I, I think I, that's the sentiment, I think, yeah. But – you know, I, I don't think I'd be mad about it in, in baseball when you're talking about the travel you're going to have to and, and all that. Because, again, I do think your team will be better if you don't have to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can keep it into, you know, relatively regional and only have to make a couple of really long trips. Right. As opposed to where, you know, I, I think bottom line, you know, USC baseball, which has a great, great history, is probably going to suffer a little bit from having to play a lot of games in places that they're not used to and being on on trips like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, I think, a, uh, that's all up for debate. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it, I think that's the, the conversations they're going to have, you know, scheduling is going to be a big part of it. They're very lucky. They didn't waste all that time on next year's schedule. Aren't they? I mean, yeah. they had a good idea. They weren't going to be the league that they thought they were going to be at that point. So, that's just common sense in a way, but <laughs> Big Ten, the Big Ten did it. Like, yeah, a lot, I mean, lot of man hours. Can you imagine if you're a schedule guy and you get done, and then like a day later, you know, I went a day later, but you know what I mean. A little while later, it's like, oh, by the way, we got to scrap all that stuff that you just did because now we got two more schools that are coming in, so it's it's all out the window. We got to start over. Yeah, but um, but yeah, they 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 saved themselves time from having to to redo anything, so that's good. But yeah, I mean, just good big quotes on on everything. I mean. Talking about BYU and Utah, I think it's fantastic. There are certain rivalries that remain, great rivalries, rivalries that will create national appeal. Um, but what's better than getting great rivalries, right? I also mentioned Arizona, Arizona State's, you know, another rivalry that you now have in your in your repertoire as well. So, yeah, just uh, be on the lookout for a lot of Brett Yormark, it seems like, coming up in the next 24 hours or even beginning right now. So, uh, good stuff there from Michelle Gardner. Yep. Absolutely. When we come back, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, good 
Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus. And best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. John McClain, Sports Radio 610. Joins us now, NFL Hall of Fame columnist, columnist and John, uh, the Texans' first preseason action uh, of the week. Tank Dell was the story. Uh, do you see him cracking the starting lineup, or is it too early to say that? It's too early to say that, Paul. Uh, he was great at the University of Houston the last two years. Led the nation in touchdowns and yards last year with second catches. He's 5'8 and 165. But he is so quick, and he's tough, and he's physical. And they also had him return a punt, made a great catch for a touchdown. Um, they've got right now Robert Woods and Nico Collins as their starters. John Metchie, the third, is another one that's in the running. But Tank Dell stole the show. I love a guy named Tank who's the smallest guy on the team. John, how do you go about um, deciding what matters and what doesn't in, in preseason games, watching them all these years? We talked to David Hellman, and he kind of you know just gave his version of it, but but how did you kind of learn to unpack what matters and, and what doesn't when it comes to these things? 
first thing they need to find out, it's, and it all started back with the rookie mini camp through the mandatory mini camp and then training camp. They have to find out what guys can take what they're given in the classroom and put it to use on the field. What guys are fast learners? What guys are slow learners? You can't treat them all the same way because it's impossible. And you got to deal with injuries. The Texans already have serious injuries at offensive tackle where two of their top three are out and try and protect a rookie quarterback. And you want to see not only can they make the plays physically, but how many mental mistakes do they make? A lot of veterans still make mental mistakes, but when you have new players coming in with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, there's a lot of things you have to watch. Texans have a guy like left tackle Laramie Tunsil. He's their best player. He doesn't need to play in preseason. I think he will because they need him in there to help protect C.J. Stroud, who got terrible protection in the first preseason game at New England. So there's a lot of things to disseminate before they make that big cut uh, down to 53, which means more than a thousand people are going to be available after that cut down date. And personnel people are always on the lookout. And so it's about how the new guys coach, how the new guy in this case, Bobby Slowick from the 49ers, calls plays for the first time in his career. There's so many things you have to watch and disseminate to try to figure out what's best for your team going into the first game. Is, I was just going to ask you about the the offensive line and C.J. Stroud. Does Laramie Tunsil almost have to play in the preseason so they get a more reasonable gauge on where C.J. Stroud is? He didn't play in the first game, and the pressure came from the other side. And they signed a veteran named George Pant two weeks ago. Now he's a starter at right tackle because their regular starter, Tyus Howard, is out with a broken hand. They don't know if he'll be ready for the first game or not. And their third tackle the last two years was starting experience, Charlie Heck. He's physically unable to perform, and I'm guessing he'll start the season on that, which means he has to miss five games and needs a lot of work when he is activated off physically unable to perform. But everybody's got injuries. But we as D'Amico Ryan, you need to try to put more starters in the line to help Stroud, and he said no. And one of the things he didn't say, this is something that I think, because Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, they all struggle, is they need to struggle. Those guys didn't have to struggle a lot in college. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud just went up and down the field, scored touchdowns, scoring to great receivers. They need to get hit. They need to get forced out of the pocket. Everybody talks about C.J. Stroud. He took a 15-yard sack. Should have thrown the ball away. Never had a prayer to stop and set up. And they talk about interception where he locked on a receiver. But nobody's talking about the play where he was under pressure. He, he reversed, went to the left, threw a bullet for a first down right on the left sideline. So it wasn't all terrible, even though he looked like a deer called the headlights. He's got two joint practices the next two days against the Dolphins. And then they got their next game on Saturday. So they want him to show progress. John, uh, I got on Twitter the next day and was reading what people were saying about the Texans, and I feel like the national media is starting to catch on to Jalen Petrie a little bit and that uh, buzz of his year two is is spreading around the league a little bit. It's amazing to me that the low grade, the pro football focus, which is teams don't pay any attention to it, but the media does. And um, 
about how low they graded Petrie last year. He made a bunch of mistakes, but he worked, and it was bad angles and missing tackles. He missed more tackles last year than he missed in his whole career at Baylor. And then he started taking better angles and improved. Coaches love Petrie just like the coaches love Petrie at Baylor. He's and a big. He's not a question. The question is, can Derek Stingley Jr., third overall pick last year, one spot ahead of Sauce Gardner with the Jets, can Stingley stay healthy for the first time since his freshman year at LSU when he was the best corner in the country for a national championship team? And so I can't wait to watch Stingley try to cover Tyree Kill in the uh, uh, joint practice tomorrow because I'm going to write a column about it on SportsRadio610.com because that's why he was brought here. He was played. He wasn't. They didn't play his style. They played zone. You don't play. Use a third overall pick in the draft on a corner unless he's going to be a lockdown corner and he's going to stick with the best receiver. But I think Petrie and and Stingley are going to be a great tandem at safety and corner for quite a while. John Zach Martin uh, gets his new deal with the Cowboys after uh, a camp holdout. And isn't it funny how things work in the preseason where you roll out your backups, all of them are terrible, and you think, well, we better get our, our future Hall of Famer back in here. One thing I noticed about Zach Martin, and I've covered the NFL now 48 years since I left the Tribune Herald, and I believe that there were decades in which guards were an afterthought Centers were an afterthought. All the center had to be able to do him the ball. All the money and the attention went to the tackles. And I'm thinking today, Zach Martin gets all that money. Eight Pro Bowls. He's a guard. Does he really do more for the Cowboys than Saquon Barkley does for the Giants or Josh Jacobs does for the Raiders? A guard? The answer is no. But when somebody comes up with analytics saying, here's proof that you don't need to draft a guard in the first round or paying big money, they better get that big contract while they can. John, the the Astros are three and a half games behind the <laughs> behind the Rangers right now. I know that they're getting some pitchers back, um, trying to to find that. How do you see this stretching out now here in the dog days of August? I think the Rangers are going to win the division. I watch every Astros game. I read every box score. The Rangers lost Heim and Young, and they were just as good without them. Max Scherzer, who has not pitched well in the playoffs the last two years for the Dodgers and the Mets, and he's great. He's great last night, allowed one hit. I think the the Rangers hit too well and too consistently for the Astros to catch them. You know, what they're hoping is the Astros could pull even and then see if the Rangers' collars get a little tight because they haven't been in this situation with so many young players, but I don't think it will. Bruce Bochy is a great manager, and I'm wondering if every team that had an opening didn't call him and say, hey, Bosch, do you want to come out of retirement? And and I'm assuming everybody that had an opening went after him. And, of course, the Rangers got him, and he's one of the all-time great. And it's showing. What I would love to see happen, Rangers win the division, Astros get the last wild card, which means they would play the Twins. Yeah, right now they would play the Rays and see the Astros and the Rangers play to go to the World Series, Man. that would be that would be something else. Be great that would baseball be in, too. That yeah. would be intense. And Verlander and Max Scherzer in Game Seven. Oh man, that's what yeah. I want to sign would, me up. That would be even better. That's what I would love, John. We'll talk to you next week. 
Thanks, guys. Take them bears. There you go. John McClain, Sports Radio 610. Yeah, a legend. I uh, do appreciate him. Looking forward to being able to talk about regular season games uh, with you know with him. And, uh, you know, Petrie coming off the rookie year that he just had. Um, got a lot of – Got a lot of fans uh, he's already built up there and a lot of goodwill and just excited to see what he can do with it in year number two because he is kind of the – when you think about, you know, uh, just Baylor in general, like Xavier Howard's been – Xavier Howard's been uh, kind of carrying the torch now and really by his lonesome for the most part. And now you've got Petrie who's not on that level, don't get me wrong, where X was like the highest paid cornerback in the league there for a little bit. But he's got the potential to be – pretty dang good and stick around for a long time so uh, always love hearing john uh, chime in on petrie and uh and, and the texans well it's funny and and i learned this from john a long time ago you know the local media like if you want to find out what's really going on with a team that you you know you're reading so you see something on national media say you're watching the you know embrace debate shows and they are you know talking about something that's going on in houston and they're talking about it from their you know thirty thousand foot view of right it. yeah if you want to really know what's going on go find the local beat writers and they've they've been writing about that thing they're talking about for a month yeah and that's why you know we have beat writers on is because mm-hmm. you know consider pretend that i know everything about the florida gators but i don't and i know that there's others that do by the way do you see their uniforms the black uniforms yeah I don't. I don't love. I don't love it. I, I usually. Look, I don't like everybody having a black uniform. Okay. I hated FSU's. That's, that's a separate conversation. Yeah, but, I agree with you on that. I but I just don't think the colors are right for an all black uniform with the blue and the orange. Have you seen them, Garrett? The all black Florida Gator. I, I saw them in passing. I haven't had time to really okay. dive in on them. I mean, I don't. They might look great out on the field, but just right. a couple of pictures I saw. I'm like. No, typically you see a black uniform, you're like solid, like boom. That one, I was like, you know what? This might be the first black uniform I've seen in a while. Where I'm like, that's eh, okay. Like it's not, but it's not a home run necessarily. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, they they rolled those out. Um, I guess maybe that was earlier today or something. So oh yeah, by the way, one more uh, thing that I wanted to pass along from that Michelle Gardner piece, uh, as she and other beat writers for the new. Uh, four corner schools got some time with Brett Yormark. Uh, she did also mention that uh, along with him saying right now we're done on expansion, which again, right now, but I do believe that to, to an extent. I mean, I don't know about you. I do feel like we are entering that, that sort of calmer water period as far as the big 12 goes. But uh, he also told them that the conference will stick to nine conference games. Uh, and that scheduling parameters for other sports are being worked out. So we talked to Mac Rhodes, and he said that one of the big to-dos for them now will be the scheduling piece. Well, Paul, nine conference games is what they're sticking with. I guess there's been some debate. Do you go to 10? Do you, you know, what do you do? But nine is where they're going to stick, which is uh, what they have right now. Yep. All right, when we come back, the top five, how to prevent the College Football Super League. That's coming up next. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. 
Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so- that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top five things that could prevent a college football Super League. Number five, TV not being ready for it, which I think is the least likely thing happened because I'm pretty sure if they want this, there's already some sort of nefarious plot to get it done. Well, I, I mean, look no further than the actions of the last couple of years, yeah. man. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You talk about the conversations that have been out there for a long time about like a Super League or whatever. And if you were to go check out that conversation from a couple of years ago, well, a lot of things had to happen to make that come to fruition. And now, look at what all has happened. Yeah. And it all happened in less than two years. And then you've got the other things that could happen or that are starting to bubble up and percolate a little bit, like in the ACC. And, um, yeah, it's all just flown by to the point where, like, it's way clear that it could happen sooner rather than later. And so, yeah, I'm inclined to believe that uh, ESPN and Fox have – 
maybe been a part of this to some extent, as some yeah. have alleged uh, and have proven or you know shown or whatever. So, yeah, this is definitely the least likely because I, I think if it's going to happen, then they are already setting up uh, for it to happen. Yeah, I think that. I think that they've got there got to be contingency plans, you know, on that because they're always trying to figure out what the next thing is. Yeah, and right now, I think it might be happening more because things are so crazy because of streaming and how much money these gigantic companies have lost that they're trying to plan out so many years in advance to to come back from this mess, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this, I do think, is COVID related in that. You know, that they had COVID where streaming made a whole lot of sense because we couldn't go out to see movies and you had to throw a bunch of stuff on there and people were stuck at home. And then you didn't plan for, well, what happens if we do too much? And then when this ends and people are not doing as much. Like you do realize, like, we are going to go back to work at some point, right? Yeah, like, we're like, not all just going to remain in our houses for forever watching Netflix, right? Yeah. But no, they didn't clearly think that part of the equation. No. They're like, no, everybody's just going to stay on their couches forever. We watched a bunch of stupid crap like tiger king because it was the only thing that was new yeah but like if that's the only quality you have to something not that it's good look why am i watching this because it's new well no you can't you know you can't maybe put the old seinfeld like why am i watching this because it's on tv Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more options than that right now number four infighting so I would think that this would get slowed considerably and will be slowed by the fact that the people who know they'll be left behind will use every option at their disposal to keep it from happening. Also by starting fights between the schools that might be going there um, in, in all of that. So infighting could, I would say it wouldn't prevent it, but it would certainly slow it down to a point where maybe it could be prevented in the long term if they figured out something that would make everybody happy on the other side. Right, yeah, there's there's bound to be some of that because, uh, you know, clearly they're um, sitting there with not quite the threshold, it seems like, to be able to make any sort of urgent action or anything, but this is going to continue bubbling and, and there's going to be lines drawn and it's going to be some Game of Thrones type stuff going on. Yeah. Of like, who's on what side? And, and, yeah, you wonder of, like, who pulls over somebody from that side to this side to know change the balance and and uh and voting potentially but yeah there's bound to be some infighting but could it get to the level of like actually creating or causing change or stopping things from happening potentially yeah absolutely and uh that's a move i like to call the the lost dodds in that when texas and you know when the a&m left the big 12 and the schools that were gonna get left behind kind of banded together and they threatened to sue A&M, and they slowed it down enough to where they could kind of rally things. Texas picked that fight between A&M and Baylor in particular, and A&M's contention was like, well, uh, Baylor, I know that this kind of sucks for you, but we're not doing this because of you. Like, we're cool. Like, there's not – It's we have to look out for our own best interests. This is about the Longhorn Network. We're not happy about it. And then Texas is like, see, they're disrespecting you, Baylor. And then while they're trying to make their own deal with the Pac-12 right. so they could get out of it, that's the kind of stuff that will go on uh, that would slow this down. Number three, a fan revolt. This is what stopped the um, – English Premier League and all that from collapsing and the European Super League happening because the fans got so mad about it so fast that there was really nothing that they could do. Plus, there are a lot of outside of England ownership to that that I don't think took into account what would happen if they did it. Um, 
for example, uh, the the Glazer family that owns the Buccaneers and owns Man U. I think they own Man U, not Man City, but they own Man U. They didn't take into account that the fans in a place that they don't live and barely go would be pissed about that. Uh, and Man, Man U is a team that will be all right. They're a big, gigantic thing. So sure. uh, I just don't think that college football fans are as organized and on the same page as – uh, English soccer fans. Yeah, the only thing that I wonder about this is whether they're going, okay, well, we shed a few, um, you know, 100,000 fans here and there, but, hey, we got Ohio State versus Michigan State and Texas versus Oklahoma and USC versus Ohio State, and we're going to have these games every single week, you know, or name games every single week. So what if we lose like a million total each week on Iowa State versus TCU or so? You know what I mean, like mm-hmm. that. Because I do feel like there's this sort of there are more. Like I don't know what the exact numbers would be, but if you're taking like twenty four to thirty two teams or whatever that are most likely some of the biggest schools, then how much of the fan base are you also taking of the one hundred percent of college football? Like I know San Diego State matters and Baylor matters and whatever, but LSU's drawn six million a game, and like fifteen of these other teams aren't getting six million mm-hmm. between them. You know, so I I do think fan revolt could could come into play here, but are there enough fans for it to register? That's well, my question. You'd also need the fans of the ones like the reason it worked in England is the fans of the ones that were going to be included were the right. ones that were mad. Yes, like, would the fans of the ones that are going to be included in this be mad? So LSU is going to be like they like like man man you or Man City they're going to be fine. And I'm going to tell you right now, Garrett's cutting y'all's throats and moving uh, on. Yeah, he doesn't care absolutely. about your team. Yeah, but, he wants LSU in the Super League and doesn't care. But if college football goes to a Super League, are LSU fans going to be like, look? While I know we're going to be in this, we just don't think it's in the best interest of college football. Are they going to be like, well, that's fine, we're fine. Who cares? Dude, no, Who we cares need to look out you? for La Tech and Louisiana yeah. and UL yeah. Monroe. And no, I don't think that they probably give a damn. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that and you want to help out. But see, that's where the politics will come into well, play and all that kind of jazz. And the other thing I say all this and give the, you know, the English soccer fans credit for coming together. That Super League eventually is going to happen when they figure out a way to make everybody, you know, not mad at them. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. And, you know, there are different mechanisms there too whether you're talking about like relegation and things like that as well that are a bit more complicated to just say because the part of it that doesn't make sense to me still that i need some help on is if you're florida okay if you're florida state paul and you get relegated i mean what does that do to your fandom if you're suddenly dropping down for a well, year to two and you are not, like you may get to go play those teams again but only if you do this like are you going to sit there and still be as invested no. or you gonna be like f you guys i'm gonna go and like, here's why this relegation won't work because right. in professional soccer relegation means that you don't get to sign big free agents anymore unless you just have There's a lot of complications r- with r- it, yeah. ryan reynolds money relegation in college sports for a football team going from say making 80 million dollars to making 20 million dollars a year means that softball and lacrosse and swimming get cut Right. Like, that's what that well, means. And Yeah, it also means, okay, so if you're Florida State, you get relegated. All of a sudden, you're making way less money for a small period of time 
that you will continue to make unless you work your way back up. But now you're working with less money, so now you have to ask your donors to pony up like $30 million to get you maybe back into the Super League. if you pl- like. That's the stuff that's it, it like, what? It doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. No. The model doesn't work. I had somebody uh, send me a long um, Twitter DM today about it. Um, I wish I could have gotten to it, but that's why it doesn't work in that – it's just not the same thing because yeah. you're talking about one professional team that has to worry about their one professional squad right. of, you know, I don't know what, 25 guys or 30 guys that are on. I don't know how, what's on a roster. But so the reason that, that works in soccer is they only have to worry. If they get relegated and you drop down, it means that you you have less money and you have to deal with that for for a little while. Or like if you're like Wrexham, it's been forever because they have bad ownership until Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney got it. But uh, they they don't have to worry about Wrexham. They don't have to worry about – there's not a Wrexham uh, swimming team. There's not a Wrexham diving team. Yeah, there's not a Wrexham gymnastics it, team. Yeah. There's not a Wrexham basketball team. It's just that. So because football funds the entire athletic department, you can't have relegation yeah. because it would mean you basically have to tell – you'd just cancel those sports well, forever to, based to, on a couple bad years. You'd have to break off football entirely, which yeah. is also possible, but I still fail to see where the other schools are just going to go along with being relegated and then having to fight their way back up. And I, and I don't know, maybe you force them into that situation like they're being forced into a lot of other situations, I guess. But, yeah, there's just a lot of questions that would need to be answered there, and it wouldn't be possible without completely unhooking yourself from said other sports, and what does that even look like at that point? So, well, yeah, there's, you're also canceling other sports because now you're taking football completely away. It means you can't... I think the solution is you have a Super League, but there's no relegation, and yeah. there's no other sports attached to it except for maybe basketball, men's basketball, and even then that might be... But there wouldn't be relegation the way people... Like, yeah, Purdue got dropped, and now Sam Houston State's in this... Like, I just no. don't think that that's any way no. realistic. A- absolutely not. Number two, better TV ratings from the non-Blue Bloods. Look, you... You want you want the the Big Ten and SEC not to uh, to control everything. Well, start watching some Big Twelve and ACC games. Right. Just start. Look, even if you're not a fan, turn them on, watch them. <laughs> Just yep. leave them running in the background while you're doing other things. Watch them, especially like, if you're a Nielsen household. Yeah, then make Nielsen, sure you're yeah, tuned in. Exactly. <laughs> watch them. Go to the apps and watch them. Put them on. Leave it like go do something else. Go see a movie. Just make sure that when you leave the house, uh, you know Kansas State versus versus Texas Tech is rolling on your TV screen um, through the app when you're doing it. I don't know how to pepper the waters there or anything, uh, but just those are the that's what's going to help. Well, I mean, easiest way to do this you can't grow your fan bases overnight. They so it's to win, be a fun yeah. team that you know people enjoy watching that wins and is in high stakes games, and which that comes with winning. So well, it all circles back to winning. And let's go to number one, Craig. As you said, it teams from outside the Blue Bloods winning in the new playoff. So yep. that means that the teams that get in the and this is going to be hard. I know we've talked about it at length. It's going to be hard for the twelve seed to beat the one seed. It's going to be really hard, <laughs> nearly especially impossible. since the one seed is going to be sitting there waiting for them for a week. It it's, would have to be like the 12 seed was a 12 because the quarterback got hurt midway through the year, yeah. and then they slid, even though they started off at like number two, but then they're healthy at the end of the year. It would, like That's the only way I foresee but, that. You know, yeah. But yeah, look, Texas. say Texas Tech is that 12th team in the 12-team okay. playoff next year, that it's Tech. And Tech is going to need to beat USC. Like, that's going to have to happen for 
And it's going to have to happen more than just that one time because what's made basketball ball so great is most of the time Cinderella outside of this year, which was all Cinderella's except for I'm not giving UConn that credit. They're the, the best program of the last 20 years. Cinderella, no. they, they just happened to a four seed because of a bad stretch in January. But the reason people like it is that there's the chance that in that one moment that that right. could happen because it's happened enough. We've all seen it on TV enough where it's not the majority of the time. It happens enough to where you're not sitting there going, oh, is this 13 going to beat this four? Maybe. Like, it, it, yeah. it depends. It's just a much different game of basketball, it, it football. It's a totally it different game. But I know what you mean. Like, but hey, you TCU, need the long haul. It's, TCU winning the national title last year would have been absolutely massive. It would have changed the narrative in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, all across the board. And that would have been a huge deal for them, for the Big 12, for leagues like the Big 12. But unfortunately, they got smashed at a record, in a record way. And uh, that's, I think that's the unfortunate part of like the, the bad taste that that left in their mouth, but also in everybody else's mouth of like, see, that's why they never belonged here anyways. Yeah. And so to think that, you know, somebody's going to do that, but then play like two more games against those types of teams, not Georgia, but those caliber of you know you're playing another Michigan or you're playing somebody slightly below that just to win the first round game and then the second and then the get you know that's going to be really well, difficult for these non you know that, multi-million and, dollar corporation I mean programs and that's why the 12 team playoff needed to exist because they needed to give opportunity for that to happen but it's going to take time because we're still coming out of the old way of doing it yeah. where certain programs could hoard those resources and do those things and others couldn't. But if you give it time and let the talent proliferate from other places, because now there's more opportunity, then the 12 team playoff has a chance to be something really great like the NCAA tournament. But at the end of it, most of the time, the NCAA tournament, the teams that you think are going to win, win it. But Mm -hmm. if there's some, you know, upsets and things along the way, it will make it better, but we do. And we're horrible at this as human beings we have to give it a little bit of time before we just say, well, see, it was never going to work in the first place. Well, the reason it was never going to work in the first place is because you weren't going to do it. So you can't just say, you know, um, it was kind of like last year when we had the freeze or two years ago now when we had the freeze 2021 and there are some like wind turbines that froze and a bunch of people who didn't like that. And they were like, see, we shouldn't even use them. And like, well, right, yeah. you know, come to find out, well, they use them in Antarctica. We just didn't buy the things that keep them from freezing. Like, mm-hmm. that's the difference. Like, Let's don't, not have a 16 team because a 16 can never win the tournament. No, that's a BS reason to not do something. Yeah, yeah. that's like, oh, it can never happen. Well, you don't know until you try. Like, right. you're just saying it won't right there. Thanks uh, to everybody who's a part of the show today. Mac Rhodes, uh, Matt Baker, John McClain, and Kirby Hocutt, who was uh, a surprise late addition uh, to the show. Uh, we enjoyed all that tonight on the CW365 Sports Tonight. If you missed anything here or just go to the YouTube channel, it's all chopped up there. And Emery's got it nice and neat for you there. Have a great day, everybody. All three of us in studio for the first time this week tomorrow. This is 365 Sports.
Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 